Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Four minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five, and this the month of September in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us today. It is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Thank you for uh, joining us. It's 503-228-4101, if you would like to uh, be part of today's program. You can also text if you like at 520 520- Five one five two zero five one, or uh, you can email if that's your pleasure. It's Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Sarah with an H at KUFO.com. Tim at KUFO.com. Or uh, Greg Nibbler, our esteemed production assistant, can be reached at uh, KUFO.com. Uh, that is uh, Nibbler at KUFO.com. N-I-B-L-E-R. Coming up today, Kevin Smith will be uh, on the program. That'll be in the 8 o'clock hour. Filmmaker Kevin Smith, who of course, has got uh, a new book coming out. will be joining us. Steve Cronin from the Portland Timbers will be uh, with us for a few moments. And Ryan White from the Oregonian will be stopping by later on today as well. Plus the top five. That's all coming up in the uh, 7 o'clock hour. Plus the voting continues for KUFO's Survive It and Drive It. So Jessica and Katie are in the truck as of well, I guess they're in the truck as of as of now. They're going to be doing their first uh, outside of the truck break today, I think around 6 o'clock, which is when we're going to check in with our friend Art Webb, who is there on site at Dick Hanna Dodge. Uh, that is at the corner of 4th Plain and Auto Mall Drive in Vancouver. And we're going to get a uh, our daily assessment on exactly how bad the smell on the truck has become. And as Tim pointed out, so they've got that Lazy Boy recliner, which is sort of in the back seat, and I think that's also just been kind of marinating in the juices of all the various contestants. Now it's the a rain. smelly girl recliner. <laughs> yes, it is, Tim. I uh, I don't really know to what extent any of that any of that funk is ever going to come out of any of the fabric on either that chair or the truck itself. I just I just don't know. Somebody reminded me yesterday that there was that MythBusters, where I think there was. I think there was a MythBusters where they, MythBusters rather where they were talking about uh, trying to get the stench out of I don't know seat cushions or something in a vehicle, and I forget exactly what the parameters of the experiment were, but they did something awful where they just saturated the seats inside a car with a terrible stench of some kind. It was like it was sort of a simulated roadkill kind of a stench, and if memory serves, they could never get that out. I mean, it literally it required removing the seats from the vehicle and replacing it with brand new seats from a different car altogether. I could be uh, remembering that incorrectly, though. Who's to, no, it's like that episode of Seinfeld say? where Jerry gets that car, and, but um, one of the auto body guys has like really bad BO, and they get detailed over and over and over again, and it just <laughs> it smells so terrible. It just it's smells like exactly a, like that. It smells like Chet at the garage. Uh, what else do we have today? A pair of tickets for you to see Motorhead and the Reverend Horton Heat this Saturday at the Roseland. Uh, those are going to be up for grabs as well. So uh, Kevin Smith with us, Ke- uh, Steve Cronin from the Portland Timbers, Ryan White from the Oregonian, continuing voting for Sur- Survive It and Drive It. Art Webb is going to be uh, on site there, Dick Hennon Dodge as well. Motorhead slash Reverend Horton Heat tickets and so forth. It is 503-228-4101 if you would uh, like to be part of the program. We're joined today as always by the uh, lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Are you doing the... Has Tim's sickness spread to you? No offense, Tim. Are you now wiping everything down with a Purell handy wipe before you come on the air? Have you always done that? 
Um, I do sometimes, but um, it seems like the season is upon us, so I want to make sure everything's clean. Is this one of those things where the OCD behavior that started with Tim is now to you, and then it's going to be me, and pretty soon everybody in the building is just going to be compulsively washing their hands a hundred times an hour? Yes. There, there's, there's a particular order. First, you darken the windows. <laughs> then you do the counters, switches, keyboards, and mice. <laughs> well, we all have our we all have our rituals that we engage in when we come in here. The first thing I do is I close the blinds and I put up a uh, a big black curtain so that no natural light can penetrate the studio ever. Ever. Uh, you know, and meanwhile, Tim is making a plonking sound uh, with his uh, with his Windows machine. By the way, at some point today, I'm just going to go onto that uh, the computer over there, and I'm going to remove those sounds altogether. I'm just going to delete them. Please from the erase system. everything. I am. I'm just going to delete them so that that plonking noise can never, ever, ever be made. All right, it is uh, 5.10. It is 503-228-4101. Uh, oh, I wanted to tell you, too, I watched Observe and Report last night. What did you think? Isn't that an I amazing film? It. I liked it a lot, a it's lot. It's a jaw-dropping motion picture. It was really, really good. I I have never Seth seen... Seth Rogen is ridiculous. And I've never seen anything quite like that. I just remember when Lara and I saw Observe and Report, and after it was done and the lights went up, we just kind of sat there with our mouths open, and I couldn't quite... I think we actually wandered out into the parking lot and stood. We had met, I think, after, um, I think she'd gotten off work and we met at the theater and then she was going somewhere else afterwards. She was going out with somebody. And I think we just walked to our, sort of outside the theater and we just stood there and looked at each other and kind of blinked in the sun after having been inside for a couple hours and realized that we just had nothing to say about that film because we were still processing it. It was just such a... It was just such an unbelievable film in so many ways. I could not believe that a major studio released that. It was pretty cool. Yeah. It was it, good. I, I, I kind of gave a little clap at the end. Is, uh, I liked it. It's quite something. It's 503-228-4101. Straight ahead, we have uh, news from Tim Riley coming up later on. Filmmaker Kevin Smith and uh, from the Portland Timbers, Steve Crone will be listening. The Rick Emerson Show continues next live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. Is it difficult to use the bathroom and not think about uh, World War II? Call 503-228-4101. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. In mere moments, we'll be joined by Tim Riley from the Ministry of Truth. Coming up later on, Ryan White from the Oregonian. We'll do the uh, top five. Steve Cronin from the Portland Timbers will be here. And uh, filmmaker Kevin Smith. All right. And by the way, I'm not uh, deliberately avoiding the mention of the thing that I put on my uh, Facebook page last night. There was just uh, there was no time to get to it in the opening, what with the discussion of Seth Rogen and, uh, and so forth. So I made this um, I made this paste uh, paste I made this post to my Facebook page uh, last night. Let's see, it would have been around I don't know, uh, probably around five o'clock or so. And it just says, let's see if I can actually if I can bring it up so I can get the the actual uh, so I can get the actual verbiage correct here. I posted this last night uh, at around I don't know at around five fifteen, and it just says, first, it's no big deal, but here's something I didn't expect to hear. Quote. We'll need to order an MRI right now, if possible. So 
that's not really a thing one anticipates hearing and one gets up in the morning. So I went to the doctor yesterday afternoon at uh, around four, and what I what I did not expect when I when I went to the doctor for what I thought was something relatively minor was to end yesterday uh, by being uh, scheduled to sit inside a big metal tube that rattles around for Tim. How long does an MRI take? Wow, it was that was like fifteen or twenty minutes. It was All a right. long time. You know, just to take a couple of pictures. All right. So that's the guy asked me if I was claustrophobic, by the way, because uh, I did not get the MRI yesterday, despite despite his request that I do so. It's loud. Um, It's loud and apparently very unnerving. So it really is something very, very minor. But I uh, I I put that up yesterday and I I didn't want to sort of look like I was deliberately not addressing it. But um, so it's not a huge deal. But I, I have had this appointment scheduled for the longest time because uh, I got this this thing with my foot Um, and. I thought it was no big deal because I've had this sort of I've just I have this I have this, um, um, I have this weird thing with my foot that I've had for the longest time. I mean, it's my foot has had this sort of issue going on like as long as I can remember, literally for I don't know, probably twenty years, and um, it's just a thing with my right foot where it's this part of it that's just like shaped a little oddly, and it's just it, it's always kind of bugged me. I've always kind of wondered what the deal with it was. So I finally get uh, some health care and I decide I'll go to the doctor and see what's up with that right foot of mine. So I go to the doctor yesterday. And I'm and it just took me forever to get the appointment first of all. It just took weeks and weeks and weeks, uh, you know, just jumping through hoops. And you know, God love God love healthcare and all. But I had to go. They, they wouldn't just send me to the foot doctor right away. Like I had to go to my what do you call it, your primary care physician who had to, like she had to look at me and she had to go. By God, your foot is weird. Let's send you somewhere else. And then they had to send me like to a second person who agreed with her assessment that there was something odd with my, with my foot. That's all about freedom, you know. That's right, Tim. And then they uh, sent me to the third uh, doctor who took seven weeks to find an appointment for me. So I finally show up at the hospital yesterday, and I'm just sitting around kind of just, you know, and you have to fight. I have to, it's out like on the sunny side or wherever that road is, like way out in, in, the, in the clack. So I have to fight my way all through traffic, which sucks anyway, because you're just sitting in traffic getting irritated and pissed off because it's taking you a long, uh, torturous period of time to get to someplace you don't really want to be anyway. Um, anyway, so I get to the doctor and I go in and, you know, the, the, the woman comes in. She says, okay, well, uh, why don't you take off your, uh, is it your right foot? And I said, yes. And she said, why don't you take off your right shoe and your right sock and we'll get you ready for the doctor. And so as a side note, here's something you don't want to do to make an impression on the, uh, the person who's going to be looking at your foot. So I take off my shoe yesterday and I swear to God, I'm sitting in the hospital. As I take off my shoe for the podiatrist to come in, the first thing that happens is a spider crawls out of my shoe. Ew. <laughs> That was my reaction. I take off my shoe and a spider crawls out. First of all, how did the spider even live inside my shoe? Like, how was that? How did that even happen? Where the spider even survived to, to where I could like take it off and the spider man goes hi and jumps out and runs away. And it's like, what are you? That's not my spider. No. I, I don't know where that spider came from. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is he with you? No, ma'am. I uh, I've never seen him before. He's just hitching a ride apparently. And she actually said something like. So was that spider in your shoe all day? And I said, I, I, I don't really know the answer to that. I mean, even thinking back on it He's now, just it doesn't. Visiting. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't make any. No, I just have them there for decorative purposes. It doesn't make any sense. And the shoes I was wearing yesterday were fairly snug. So then you started thinking about, well, how did the spider get into my shoe, and how did he manage to just sort of hang out in there without being squashed by my foot all day? Doesn't make any sense at all. Yes, Sarah, your expression indicates that there's something you'd like to share with the uh, with the rest of the room. 
I did not expect you to say that. No, I didn't expect to see. I didn't expect to see that happen. By the way, that has really nothing to do with my foot ailment. To the best of my knowledge, that was just a little. That's a little added bonus for the story. So I put the shoe down. I take the sock off. You know, now that I think about it, the spider could have been inside my sock for all I know. But um, but I put the sock and the shoe down, and the spider <laughs> jumps out and runs away. And the nurse and I look at each other, and we share a few moments of awkward conversation about that. And anyway, so then she leaves, and then I'm just sort of... And then there's that thing where she goes, okay, well, the doctor will be in in just a few minutes, so just uh, make yourself comfortable. He'll be uh, right in. And you're sitting in the weird dental chair thing with, with the paper... It's got like the big, the, the crackly paper towel over it. Oh yes. And then you, just, and then they leave you alone in a room full of things that jab into you and like swabs and gauze and bandages. And then they always have you positioned so you can see that chart on the wall showing a huge sort of blown up, stripped away version of whatever part of your body it is that they're going to be looking at that day. So if you go to the eye doctor's office, you know they come and they get you ready at the eye doctor, then they leave, and then there's a huge thing of an eyeball. Uh, it is always like a big laminated eyeball poster across the room from you, so you can sit and look at all the many sections of your body that might start uh, working improperly. Um, anyway, so the guy comes in and uh, he says, "Well, what about your foot?" And I said, "Well, I got this kind of like, you know, I got this kind of it's, it's like a lump, for lack of a better word." And I said, "I got this kind of lump on my foot. It's always been there. You know, it's not not a big deal. It doesn't seem to cause me any pain. It's just uh, I've always wondered what is, what is the deal with they this." They can burn it off with acid. They did it for me. That's see, and I knew. See, and I didn't go even... back like every two weeks. I'll ruin your weekend some more. And you, see, and we should note for the record that I never really asked you what was up with your foot because I figured if you wanted us to know, you would volunteer that information. All I knew, Tim, is that they had. I don't know, like strapped you down at a table and burned sections of your foot away with a big vat full of acid. And I figured that was probably over enough. and over and over again. <laughs> now stagger back to your car. Your weekend is ruined. <laughs> We'd like you for you to limp home and be miserable for the for the next two or three days. And mine was kind of scary because it still had posters from the seventies with women with fair faucet hair. It's like somebody needs to modernize this office just a little bit. All the other thing, by the way, is I can see as I'm sitting in the doctor's office that that. Uh, it's like that sort of red plastic box on the wall that says biohazard on the side of it. I can see that they've recently put something in there. I can see that the biohazard box is, in fact, full to nearly overflowing. And so then you wonder exactly what it is they do in this room where I'm currently ensconced. So the doctor looks at my foot and he says, uh, he asked me some questions about, like, you know, the, the, what is your family history of this? And do you have, like, diabetes? And, you know, what is up with, you know, the, like, what is up with the, with the history of your feet? Do you have any other problems? And I'm I'm answering all of this. And then they do the weirdest thing, by the way. Have you ever had a thing called a Doppler put on you? Never? I thought it was just like a thing they used to tell you if it was going to be a high-pressure system moving in to make it snow. Is that like That's a sonogram right, or something? It is like a sonogram. That's well done. Why do you know that? Because sonograms kind of look like Dopplers. I don't know. I just kind of... But, I mean, when have you had a sonogram done? Is that... I've been with my friends, like my not-friends oh, that... who have had sonograms. So the deal with a sonogram is it's a small handheld microphone that is attached to an external speaker... And they just, uh, they run it over parts of your body to hear, to listen for, like, the, the sound of your blood flow, basically. And so he's running this, like, microphone over the bottom of my foot, waiting to, you know, to hear, like, exactly how the blood flow works and everything. So he does all of this stuff, and then he says, um, okay, so would you mind if I had somebody else come in and look at this for a second? And I said, you know, whatever, you, you, you're the doctor. I'll just sit here on the paper towel and be uncomfortable. So he goes and he brings in a resident, and I hear them talking in the hallway, and I hear the sort of... Always been like that. It's on the side of his foot, spider in his shoe, or whatever. And he brings the resident in, and he says, "So this is Chet. Chet's one of our residents. Uh, I asked him to come in and take a look at this. This is what you don't want to hear." The resident say. The resident comes in, he looks down at my foot, and he just goes, "Wow, can I get close to that?" And I said, 
Sure, go go ahead. Why not? So now I feel like I'm some sort of living recessy Annie doll uh, for like all of the uh, the occupants of this hospital. So then they're like poking me and they're prodding me and whatever. And then you know after they they go off into a corner, they have some conversation by themselves. And the guy says he comes back to me and he says, "Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take an X-ray and then I really think we ought to take an MRI of this." And then he pauses for dramatic effect. I think he says. I'd like to do that MRI today, if at all possible. And I said, well, I think I can probably do that. Long story short, they ended up not doing the MRI yesterday. They did the uh, they did the x-ray yesterday, and then they're going to call me, I think, today or tomorrow, and they're going to book me for the MRI sometime early next week, which would have freaked me out a whole lot more, except that I know you had one of those done, uh, and it ended up not being a big deal, Tim. And I made a really bad choice of music. I asked for Enya, and I couldn't hear a thing. Because you're, because you should have asked for some of that rap gangster music. Because you're in the or no go. You're hearing the, the, you know, the sort of, you know, come sail away, say that. I mean, it's like somebody puts you inside the vacuum cleaner bag and turns on the vacuum. <laughs> That's a, he said, are you claustrophobic? And I said, well, I don't really know. I guess we'll all find out together, won't we? So today is what, Wednesday? So I think probably on Monday or Tuesday, uh, I get to drive back out to Clackamas. I mean, to drive into Clackamas for the pleasure of being stuck inside a, a rattling metal tube. <laughs> it, it, it reminds you of those 1950s pictures with those kids in the iron lungs exactly. and, and waving through the window. <laughs> I'm feeling fine. <laughs> Or like, or those documentaries where Jacques Cousteau comes up too too quickly from the Marianas Trench and he has the bends. I'm sorry, we're going to have to put you in a decompression chamber for 15 days. And he's sort of in there as they're compressing the nitrogen out of his blood. Uh, anyway, so I posted that yesterday, and I, and I actually put in huge all cap letters. I said it's not a big deal. It's like I'm not. You know, there's nothing seriously wrong. But you just don't anticipate a, a regular visit to the doctor. I mean, it really is like a cosmetic thing more than anything else. You don't anticipate that ending with you're going to need an MRI. And I asked him, I said, well, why? You know, if, if it's not a big deal, why the MRI? And he said, well, it's probably not a not a big deal. On the other hand, it could be an aneurysm. They make good money off of those things. They're very expensive. They're like 900 bucks. Dude, I don't even want to know what it's going to cost me. That's yeah. the thing. Even with insurance, I have no idea what the MRI is going to cost me. And who knew you could get an aneurysm in your foot, by the way? I mean, file that under things. anything in your brain. See, that's what I said. I thought I, I, I had, and I actually had the audacity to correct him. He said, well, it could be an aneurysm. And I said, no, 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 that you mean something else, right? And he said, no, I mean aneurysm. And I said on my foot, and he said, yes. And I said, well, what's the worst case scenario here? And he said, well, you could lose all the sensation and we'd have to amputate. And I said, well, let's. Let's have that MRI done then. How do you, how oh do you feel God. about that? So, That's it's, unnerving. It's probably not going to happen. Here's the conclusion I came to, though, is that even though in all likelihood I'm going to get the MRI and there's not going to be anything. Because the, the, the worst case scenario is there's like some weirdness with one of the arteries in my foot. And then that's going to cause apparently some big problem if it's not. And then it bec- he said, and then if it comes back that there is the artery issue, then we'll have to weigh the risks and whether or not it's even safe to operate. And at that point, I just said, you know. I'll come back Monday, and you can stick me in the tube and photograph my insides, and let's have this conversation then. If it's all the same to you, I'm going to go home and have some spray cheese, and I'm going to live life with both hands. Feet take a long time to heal, as do knees. Here's I've the, had both. And don't, didn't you get this feeling when they told you, Tim, that you were going to have to have an MRI, that even if it was not something tremendously serious, that it was sort of like a coming attractions of the rest of your life? It was sort of like a preview of what you know the next few decades of your existence will be. Because at some point, I mean, I just sort of take it as an article of faith that I will go to the hospital and they'll sit me down and they'll go, well, I'm sorry, it's malignant and the size of a softball and it's spreading quickly. You'll probably be dead by this afternoon. I mean, that didn't happen yesterday, but that is that is an inevitable eventuality in my life. So yesterday was sort of a, um, 
It's like when you do that uh, that fire drill at school where they have you practice like how to get out of the building and stand on the front lawn with the other kids just for the day when there is a fire. This is sort of like, you know, so I'll be less unnerved when I go in and they have to give me an MRI because I've got like, you know, like a huge thing inside my, uh, you know, my lungs or whatever. So it's a lot of fun. Sometimes it turns out to be nothing. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. And sometimes they bring in one of the residents to look at your foot and go, wow. Has that a, can I look can, at that closer? Can I get closer to that? Oh, but my uh, blood pressure is normal, though, by the way, just in case you were, uh, in case you were wondering about that. Really? All right. Yes. Huh. So my blood pressure normal, shoe full of spiders. Yeah, they check all that stuff. Like, it's going to the vet. Yeah. They do the same thing on humans. Good God almighty. So uh, there you go. So that's that. So I'll be having, so, so I'll, get to, I'll get to have an MRI on, uh, on Monday. And then, uh, then at that point, I guess they'll uh, they'll figure out what, whatever whatever sections then of my body they're gonna you be, have to wait. Gonna be, gonna By be that time, it spreads away. all the way up to your shoulders. <laughs> I'm sorry, the only thing we can save is your head. <laughs> this hair of yours is perfect, though. It'll last forever. Ah, uh, Jesus, God Almighty! I'm sorry, we're getting such a late start on everything today. We kind of got out of the gate late this morning. Tim, what headlines are you following for the good people of Portland on this uh, Wednesday morning? Well, let's take a look here and see what they are. Bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do? The crew from Cops is involved in a car crash here. A representative, Trent Franks of Missouri, calls the president an enemy of humanity. And private eye Becky Altringer claims Randy Quaid is a victim of spouse abuse at the hands of his wife, Evie. Well, all right. Have you seen that uh, photograph of Randy Quaid when they got busted? I have, He looks yes. pretty badass. He looked, <laughs> he looked kind of badass, but he sort of looked like... He kind of looked like a kind of uh, like a mountaineering version of his uh, cousin Eddie character from the National Lampoon's movies where he's just, you know, crapper's full and he's just dumping feces into the street. All right. Straight ahead. The news with Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, coming up uh, later on today. Steve Cronin from the Portland Timbers. Uh, Kim, uh, Kevin Smith, filmmaker Kevin Smith will be with us. Ryan White from the Oregonian will do the top five and a pair of tickets for you to see Motorhead at the Roseland. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. I'm Rock 101 KUFO live from Portland. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Look, if we're going to make out, you're not going to give me typhus or something, right? I mean, can we just, uh, can we have an honest discussion about that? This is Rock 101 KUFO. Why was I talking about typhus? Why are you talking about making out with somebody? I don't know. That really is the larger question, I suppose. I think it's less likely that I would be making out with somebody than I have typhus. Well, I got spiders in my shoes, so I mean, really, I, uh... Not to be confused with bats in the belfry, I imagine. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Ladies and gentlemen of the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, it's 5.40. The wetness continues today. High temperatures will be in the 60s. A major earthquake has been reported off the coast of Indonesia's Sumatra Island. The U.S. Geological Survey puts the quake magnitude at 7.9, while Indonesia's meteorology agency says no tsunami warning has been issued. Meanwhile, that 8.0 earthquake deep in the Pacific yesterday created a series of devastating tsunamis. Those giant waves have crashed into the island nations of American Samoa and Western Samoa and killed more than 100 people. President Obama has declared American Samoa a major disaster and has sent planes there with aid. Now, there was a tsunami uh, alert for us on the Oregon coast and California coast. Washington did not get it. Only minor tsunami waves were reported along the Oregon coast last night about uh, 
let's see, a couple of inches above normal. The strongest waves have passed and no longer pose a threat. So if you're on the coast, you may resume regular activities. By the way, I was looking at the Google Trends this morning just to see what people were searching for. And I was looking at the top ten. The number one search on Google Trends was, for some reason, pink-toed tarantula. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea what that is. I didn't. It, I figured there was no point in clicking on that because it was probably going to bring up an unpleasant picture of some sort of creature. Something crawling onto somebody's shoe. <laughs> exactly. I've had enough of that for one week. So that was the number one result, followed by Oregon earthquake, followed by Oregon tsunami, followed by... Vic Tabak, I swear to God. So it's just a bit of a mixed bag out there this morning. Here's Tim Ryan. That is weird. So we're in the clear for now, but a, a tsunami alert has just been issued for Japan because the tsunami is, let's see, Japan is uh, northwest of the latest earthquake in Indonesia. Any further questions on earthquakes or tsunamis? I didn't really have any to begin with. I, I we figured can move along. Here's the thing about tsunamis and earthquakes. You know, I don't worry about those. You know why? Nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. There's really Good there's point. nothing to be done. I mean, we've I, all seen Deep Impact. There's nothing we can that's do. Exactly right. Morgan Freeman cannot help you. Uh, there's nothing you can do about that. All you can do is stand on the shore with your father while the towering waves comes your way. I mean, that's it, right? There's uh, there's a whole lot of that's like worrying about meteorites hitting the earth. There's really not going to be much I can I can do to forestall that eventuality. Uh, there's been another death of a child. Relating to that crazy Haith, uh, Haith, actually it's a combination of Faith and Haith, Haith, uh, Healing Church in Clackamas County. The Sheriff's Office is investigating reports of a newborn baby that died because it didn't receive proper medical attention. So we'll be hearing more about that. Steve Jobs says people don't read anymore. But Apple is in talks with several media companies rooted in print, negotiating contract for a new device. And they're just not going for e-books and magazines. They're aiming to redefine print. Several years ago, a modified version of OS X was presented to Steve Jobs running on a multi-touch tablet. And the question is, will people like it? So uh, it, it looks like similar to, uh, what do you call that thing that uh, Amazon.com the Kindle. Well, they're, they're about to come out with something similar to that, but it is rectangular. The long way. Oh, I said it's like horizontally uh, configured or whatever. The Kindle is, I've never actually seen a Kindle... Uh, up close, except for like, like 30 seconds or so, where I looked at the wood. Susan Reynolds has one, and I, uh, she was using it one day, and I walked in, and then I got distracted, and I didn't, I, I ended up not being able to really spend much time with it. But, so I've seen that one just sort of in passing, but I've seen that Sony Book Reader. Uh, they had one of those at Borders. It was on display there, and it was creepy. I mean, it was creepy in the sense that it looked so much like paper. I mean, it so was, does the Kindle. I mean, they, it looks, it's, it's freaky. Yeah, you're right. I thought that it was a fake display. Uh, the one when I saw the Sony Book Reader, I thought that it was sort of turned off, and they had put like an adhesive image or something on the front, just you know, to like simulate what the screen looked like. And in fact, it was, it was actually the the illuminated electronic screen, and it looked just like the pages of a book. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was altogether, uh, it was altogether weird. Uh, thieves have targeted several Florida warehouses where one of the country's largest Batman collections was looted. The Miami Herald reports most of the memorabilia was owned by the late Ben Novak and is now gone. He is the slain heir of the Fortinblow fortune and was one of the company country's top collectors of things related to the Cape Crusader. His widow Nancy and daughter May are locked in a heated fight over the multi-billion dollar estate. Novak was found beaten to death in a New York hotel back in July. Uh, he was bound with duct tape all over his face and around his legs. So far, no arrests made. But he has the uh, biggest collection of Batman stuff anywhere. At least he did. And stories seem to take a hairpin turn about yeah. two-thirds of the way through. How do we get from like the world's largest collection of Batman stuff to he was found bludgeoned and lying in his own waste? 
By the way, this uh, text message said, Rick, uh, about the MRI, at least you have a job in which you can work without a foot, unlike advertising in the 1960s. Oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, did you see that moment coming on Mad Men when they ran over that guy's foot with the John Deere lawnmower? No. Even though the lawnmower, there's a woman drunk, uh, drunkenly driving a John Deere lawnmower around the office for a good two or three minutes. I mean, I sensed that something was going to go bad with that, but I didn't really, I did not anticipate that it was going to be lopping a guy's foot off. And then they go to the next scene where, like, Don Draper and Roger Sterling are sitting inside the office having shots of scotch. And there's a guy with a squeegee out front taking the blood off the, off the glass of the office. It was, um, that was not how I saw that Somewhere episode Somewhere in developing. some advertising agency, this has happened before, I, said well, Roger. The, and I instinctively, though, just suspect that that is based on a real incident. I just know in my bones that that's something that actually happened somewhere that Matthew Weiner heard about. And that's why he folded that into that, uh, to that Mad Men episode. Oh, and since you've seen it now, how horrifying was that moment where Duck Phillips is seducing Peggy? Oh. You know what? I, I thought of I thought of fast forwarding, pushing that magic red button. No, and Duck I said, Phillips is disgusting. And I said, no, I'll sit here and watch this. No, you, if I have to suffer, does through, she sleep with him? Oh yeah, yeah, twice, yes, once oh. at night and once before breakfast. Mm-hmm. That Duck Phillips is the guy who says to Peggy Olson on uh, on Mad Men, he says. I want to take you into the bedroom, put you down on the bed, take off your clothes with my teeth, and give you a go-around like you've never had. And I was just, it, even now my skin crawls even it saying it out loud. It was a different kind of duck and cover. <laughs> yes, it was. Actually, I had several people send me text messages. Paddock sent me a text message about half halfway through that scene. He's like, take your clothes off with my teeth? For the love of God! Everybody was equally horrified by that. And then they wake up and... Anything metal would hurt if you had it between your teeth. And the, the, like the next morning, they wake up in bed and you're thinking, okay, well, at least Peggy will realize that's a one-time mistake. It was late. She was feeling vulnerable, whatever. And then they... they but, but no, then they're like humping it out in the, in, the, in the hotel bed before ordering room service. I mean, it's just... Yeah, just uh, I can never look at her the same way again. Peggy. He's so icky. Well, to be fair, well, I, I think it takes a long time to serve breakfast in some hotels. You got to do something while your eggs Benedict get ready. Jesus, yeah, I can never look at her the same way. She's been she's been tainted for me. Here's Tim Riley. You know, even elderly people in Chicago are violent. An old Chicago man decided his expired handicap parking permit was worth defending by force. Eighty-five year old, that's eighty-five year old Peter Riley strolled into the Huntley Police Department and disputed a $250 ticket he received. Officers said he argued with a desk sergeant and allegedly pulled a gun out of his hat. Jesus. Police were able to disarm the old man and discovered he was only carrying a BB gun. In other news, you can carry a gun in your hat somehow. In Chicago. Great place with the Olympics. What size BB? Aren't BB guns pretty big, though? I'm just wondering what... Well, that was my thing. Is like, How is it that you've stashed a gun? Is this a hat that's specifically made for the carrying of weapons? You can go uh, down to the haberdasher downtown and ask for one. So go to John Helmer's. Pardon me, I'd like a I'd like a hat in which I can carry a Tommy gun, please. No, I'll right up. There's something you can try. There's Tim Riley. Uh, California doctors accused of letting a man die so he could steal his Rolex watch. The alleged incident took place when retired Manteca Police Department uh, spokesman Jerry Kubina Jr. was taken to the hospital in Stockton and suffered a heart attack. Doctor Cleveland Emmond was at St. Joseph's Hospital emergency room at the time. Court documents claim the nurse noticed that the patient's watch was missing after he died, and the watch appeared to be in the doctor's pocket. The nurse later found the Rolex in the bushes outside the hospital. Uh, the doctor is facing grand theft charges and has been fired from his job. Jesus. Mm. Uh, this email says, uh, hey, heard you uh, telling your MRI story earlier. 
So I have a similar story to, do you mind if a resident checks this out? Uh, six years ago, I felt... So I'm just reading this as it as it arrived in the inbox. Six years ago, Rick, I felt a lump in my junk. And after a, a day of freaking out about it, I went to the doctor to be checked out. As if having a grown man feel around in your area isn't uh, uncomfortable enough, he asked if I mind an interning doctor uh, sitting in with him. My attitude was, well, if I've got testicular cancer, somebody else seeing my junk is the least of my worries, and if I don't have anything, I'll be too ecstatic to care. Then he let the intern come in the room. She was a smoking hot 20-something girl who also had herself a feel in my area. Probably the unsexiest moment of my life that still involved a beautiful woman. So, So there you go. Yeah, and then there's that thing where the uh, the doctor and the resident yesterday, as they're like kind of looking at my foot and sort of jabbing me with things and poking me, they're sort of having conversations with each other that are either A, in too low of a whisper for me to hear, or that are audible but involving words that I don't understand. And then you just wonder if they're talking about just getting out a bone saw right there, just lopping my foot off while I'm still in the doctor's office. It could have been lunch, like mayonnaise, uh, no mayonnaise, uh, pickles, uh, olives. (laughs) Why don't we just talk like this until we uh, until we unnerve him, and then he won't mind the fact that the bill is going to be so unbelievably high. And then we'll tell him that it's benign. All right, let's just uh, let's just talk like this for a few seconds. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a pizza fan in New England is in need of a few extra toppings. A pizza delivery woman complained to police after a man repeatedly answered the door without any pants on. On four separate occasions, the man allegedly received his pie while naked from the waist down. Met up with the man's actions, the delivery woman contacted the police to inform them of her customer's behavior. Police lieutenant says, we went and talked to the guy, and they weren't getting any more pizza delivered there anymore. That house has been redlined. No charges have been filed against the pantless pizza eater. Pizza eater. Uh, We got a clarification on the Mythbusters thing. We were talking about that Mythbusters episode in which they were trying to get the smell out of a car because somebody asked us about the survive it and drive it thing. Oh, you guys were out there yesterday, so um, yes. we'll play back their speeches, by the way. We have uh, uh, Katie and Jessica. They each prepared a 90-second speech, which I guess Katie didn't get to the end of hers. That she had to be cut off. Is that true? Uh, yeah, 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. Did she, you say, uh, she got a little close to it. Did you say that she started talking about disabled children at some point? It was something like that, and then I just said, okay, time's up, and I took the microphone away from did you, did you get the feeling that the Star Spangled Banner was going to begin to play underneath her? Yeah, there was, there was some kind of a sob story going on there. Uh, so this says, Rick, the Mythbusters stench show you mentioned. It was a dead pig's corpse that's, that stenched forever the car. That's an odd way of phrasing that. <laughs> stench forever the car. Uh, so I guess they, they were talking about roadkill hitting a car on Mythbusters, and they simulated it somehow by using, um, by using uh, the essence of a dead pig somehow that they put into the fabric of the car, and they were never able to get it out. That was the deal. The upshot of, of Mythbusters was that they could never get it out of the car. The stench was there forever. So just, you know, think on that this morning. Here's uh, Tim Riley. One British crook recently learned it's best to stay sober while committing a crime. According to the UK's Metro, a burglar was arrested last week after he drank a bottle of wine and fell asleep on his victim's couch. The would-be thief stuffed items in a pillowcase and then sat down on the couch to enjoy a bottle of wine. The homeowner returned to find the man passed out and unresponsive on the couch. A spokesperson for the Cambridgeshire Police Department remarked, quote, We arrived to find a man on the sofa with a bottle of wine on the floor next to him, and after trying to rouse him, 
We charged him with attempted burglary. Awesome. And it was over. Coming up at the uh, top of the hour, we will talk to our good friend Art Webb. He is on site at KUFO's Survive It and Drive It contest at Dick Hannah Dodge, the corner of Fourth Plain and Auto Mall Drive. And we will uh, find out the, the what the uh, find out what the general vibe and tone of our two contestants uh, at the moment. Uh, we'll uh, also play a little bit of a recap of their two speeches yesterday. Don't forget, online voting is taking place now at KUFO.com. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO. Portland. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503 228 4101. Oh, and then as we were scheduling the uh, the MRI, so he asked me, he goes, so are you claustrophobic? And I real- and I just said no without thinking about it, because I realized that I've never actually had that tested. I mean, I don't think. I can't remember any circumstance under which I would have found out definitively if I was claustrophobic. I mean, I don't get weirded out by elevators or anything, so I'm assuming the answer is no. But then again, I've never really been encased in a small metal tube for 20 minutes that makes like a loud clanging noise. Is it just? Is it like that scene in The Exorcist where they? Uh, I think that's an MRI they stick her in, right? It's like uh, it's like you're being put inside a metal cylinder that just kind of goes, you know, for, for for fifteen, twenty, twenty-five minutes. Is that the deal? It does make a loud noise. Yeah, that's great. I can't wait. It's five zero three two two eight four one zero one five zero three. Two two eight four one zero one coming up at six forty. We will talk to Steve Cronin of the Portland Timbers. Ryan White from the Oregonian will be here at seven o'clock. We'll do the uh, top five uh, at seven twenty. Eight o'clock. Jim Roop from CNN Radio and filmmaker Kevin Smith in the uh, eight o'clock hour as well at the news desk. Your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. Hello, everybody. It's going to be another wet day today. High temperatures will only be in the 60s, and it's going to stay that way through the weekend. It's off to prison for the one-time head of a Tualatin chemical company after embezzling $269,000 from his own employee's retirement plan. 44-year-old Joel Morris will get two years in the pen for emptying out the funds at Janco Chemical Limited. A guy in the coup is dead. After his airborne Cadillac pinned him underneath the vehicle, he was speeding and lost control on East 4th Plain Boulevard. Now, this car flipped over numerous times before coming to rest in a cemetery. Yeah. Spiders, spiders everywhere. Who's got them now? Well, it looks like the Pope does. A large spider appeared on the Pope's white robes as he addressed politicians and diplomats in Prague over the weekend. It's completely creepy. He's talking, and then it just walks onto him as though they're pals. Mm-hmm. A journalist following the speech on a loud screen flinched as the spider inched toward the Pope's neck. Yeah. It disappeared from view for a moment, but then was seen crawling up the right side of the 82-year-old pontiff's face. When, he reached its, uh, when it reached his ear, the Pope gave it a swat, but it didn't go away. It reappeared on the Pope's left shoulder and scampered down his robe as the Pope left the medieval Prague Castle's ornate Spanish hall. It looks for all the world like that sequence in Raiders of the Lost Ark where the fly appears on Belloc's face and it looks like he eats it. So you see the Pope and he's he's talking away and he's, you know, he's saying, you know, whatever it is the Pope says these days when he goes out. Children uh, need to be guarded. Arbeit macht frei. And... 
as he's speaking away, and he has this, as you said, just sort of dazzling bright white robe, which makes it readily apparent that something is on him. And you look, and there is, in fact, a huge spider just crawling up his left side. And then it just, and then it, like, he doesn't notice it. And I guess maybe you could be forgiven for not noticing that a spider is crawling on your clothing. Mm-hmm. But as you just said, it crawls up his neck and is, like, on his <gasps> ear. Really? Okay, I have to see a picture of this. I, I need to see this. And they must not give him monitors. Like, he, he must not have a video display of himself. Because I think if you if you had a spider on you and you knew that's what it was, it doesn't matter what the preaching the, the the word of Jesus or you know acting as the holy see the holy conduit of of Christ or not, you you take a moment you say look I I will be back in just a moment I have to get the spider off of me and you would you'd leave the stage you'd have one of your people take care of that, but no he um. It just persists there because he obviously doesn't know what it was, which sort of reminds me of that story I think I just told the other day where I, when I was, uh, I don't know, was a teenager, still living at home, and I had that weird, like, tickling sound, or tickling feeling in my left ear, and I couldn't figure out what it was, and I looked in the, in the hallway mirror, and there was just a huge spider on the side of my head. That's a, that's a thing you remedy then. You don't, uh, you don't decide just to, uh, just to put that off. Here's, uh, Tim Riley. Well, Michael Jackson loved to keep roomfuls of mannequins. I love them. It's just like real babies and kids and people. But it makes me feel like I'm in a room with people. He says, I never spoke to them. It just made me feel like I wasn't completely alone. Yes, there's nothing at all weird about that. It's 503-228-4101 coming up at uh, 640. Steve Cronin for the Portland Timbers will be here. Ryan White from the Oregonian at 7. Jim Roop at 8 o'clock. And uh, filmmaker Kevin Smith. It is time once again for our Survive It and Drive It update. <laughs> Rock 101 KUFO's Survive It and Drive It Update. Live from Decana Dodge in the giant Vancouver Auto Mall. Right out there uh, at uh, the corner of 4th Plain and Auto Mall Drive, our good friend Art Webb is on site for KUFO's Survive It and Drive It Contest. Online voting began yesterday at 3 p.m. We're going to check in now on uh, everything that's happening out there. Art, uh, are you there? Yes. How are you doing, sir? No, I am out here. I'm doing well. It's a little cold out here, but uh, it's a good day. It was. I. That's a, actually something to bring up. It was damn chilly when I got up this morning. I. Uh, I left the house like three forty-five or something, and it was very. I mean, I was actually considering going back inside and getting a coat, and then I thought, no, 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 I'll be in a heated studio. Unlike Katie and Jessica, what is? Do they still just have the one blanket? Yeah, you know the the windows are pretty frosted over right now, and all I can see is what looks like dead bodies. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure that I mean have you have you actually taken the extra step of uh you know of of giving them a good uh, roust to make sure that uh, something untoward hasn't happened during the night? Yeah, you know, I was shaking the truck and knocking on the windows and there's just no movement. I really think they're just former copies of themselves now. Do you think they're dead? They're pl- they're pod people. They've been cloned. The well, you know, here's the damnable misery of this cold is that on I guess it would have been Monday, the engineers went and they got 45 crickets and we put 45 crickets in the truck. That night, some misguided soul took the speaker out of the uh, out of the bed of the truck and put it inside the cab, meaning that the crickets had little or no effect because they were drowned out by the insane clown posse or something. The speaker was turned off last night, but I think last night the cold snap was probably enough that the crickets are either dead or in hibernation. So that's a that that was just a road to nowhere. That whole cricket thing. Yeah, if there's no human bodies in there, there's definitely cricket bodies. How about if we got some bats? Would they I still be alive? The cricket thing. I thought you meant baseball bats. Like, oh no, no, no! That that would be dangerous. No, the I about friendly flapping bats. At one point, I had suggested getting a big bag full of praying mantises from everybody's garden center, which I think is how we eventually got to crickets. Because yeah, because but we didn't want the praying mantises or manti to get hurt. And then somebody suggested uh, ladybugs as well. But a you know you know you don't want to you know ladybugs or you know you want them to have a long healthy life as opposed to crickets, which are sold for food. And plus, ladybugs will actually bite you. That's the thing. They'll uh, you screw with them, they'll uh, screw you right back. It's a thing people. 
people don't really anticipate. Do you think the male bugs like being called ladybugs, even though they're not ladies? I think about that all the time, actually. When's the last time you thought about it? Um, I don't know, probably two, three days ago. Yeah. Anywho, uh, so were you present yesterday, Art, when the uh, when these when the ladies were making their speeches? And if not, have you heard the ninety second pitches that Katie and Jessica made about this online voting? You know, no, I was not out here, but I did hear clips of the ninety second pitches. I heard uh, Greg cut off Katie. That was pretty good. It, it was really cold out there yesterday. It was almost like the sequel to Twister. All of a sudden, once we got them in the, in the chair, the <laughs> skies got dark. It got very windy. Just going to have to bend down and smell the dirt and wait for cows to fly in mm-hmm. your direction. What is your sense? Uh, are just as uh, you know, as just an independent observer who heard uh, Jessica and Katie both making their pitch about who uh, made the stronger case. Just do the, the, again, just your own objective journalistic opinion. You know, I really think Jessica had the stronger pitch, to be honest with you. And is that because because she kept it simple, right? Yeah, Katie seemed kind it of wandering. Very- yeah, hers was more concise. It was more focused. And just the fact that she doesn't have a car and she's got a kid, that really pulls on the uh, sympathy strings for me. Did she point uh, that out? I, uh, I'm, I can't remember whether she made the observation specifically that Katie has multiple vehicles already. I believe she did, but I could be wrong. All right, so we'll have to play that and back. And she has one parked nearby. This really is that true? Yeah, she yes. keeps going to get out food out of that cooler every yes. break in, oh. in her. Yeah, she's got a car, car. within uh, fifteen feet from my eyesight right now. I see. I never really put that together. I mean, I guess I saw her getting stuff out of there, but I always assumed that that was like a friend who had brought stuff by for her. I didn't know that Katie actually had her own car within sight of the truck. She does have friends. Car sitting here. Ah, oh, okay. That see that you know that really. Um, I'm it's just saying for me that seems like a tactical error on Katie's part. If uh, if nothing else. Uh, so it is, uh, it's 6.12. Are the girls awake uh, right now? You said it looks like they're sort of immobile at the moment. Yeah, I'm shaking the truck. I'm knocking on windows. There's absolutely no response. So when I come back to you guys next hour, I, uh, I will have some awake individuals. I guarantee it. It does make you wonder, as I think Greg made, Greg made this observation yesterday, if they'll ever be able to sleep in silence again. I mean, what, what if it, that we have so permanently warped these individuals that from now on they're going to have to have the sound of a car alarm or the insane clown posse for them to, to even get, like, a nap in? I mean, we may have... We may have forevermore restructured the way that their brains operate. It may take years of therapy to get these people fixed once this is done. When all this is said and done as well, we should do a photo display where we actually lay all of the garbage out. Sort of like when the DEA will make a huge heroin bust and they'll call a press conference and they have the table in front of them that has all the drugs and handguns. We had to have a huge, we just get a huge display of all the filth, uh, human and otherwise, that we have taken out of that truck. Just to, you know, to sort of get a snapshot for all posterity. Add a couple rifles for effect. That's exactly what I'm talking about. All right, there you go. That's Art Webb. He is on location at Survive It and Drive It. Dick Canada Dodge, the giant Vancouver Auto Mall, the corner of Fourth Plain and Auto Mall Drive. Coming up at uh, 620, more from Tim Riley. We will also play back uh, Jessica's speech and Katie's speech this morning, so you can hear both of them online voting happening now at KUFO.com. Coming up at 640, Steve Cronin from the Portland Timbers, Ryan White from the Oregonian at 7, and filmmaker Kevin Smith later on today. It's a Rick Emerson show. Uh, we are live from Portland. It's Rock 101, KUFO. Rock 101, KUFO, survive it and drive it. From Dick Hanna Dodge and the giant Vancouver Auto Mall. Who will win a Dodge Ram truck? Thanks to Domino's, Lazy Boy Furniture, Jackson's Food Stores, and 7-Up. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Coming up at 6.40, Steve Cronin from the Portland Timbers. 7 o'clock, Ryan White from the Oregonian. We'll do the top five at 7.20. Uh, 
you watch the Pope Spider video, Sarah? Are you itching yourself no, everywhere? I'm all itchy. Ah, that's great. Yeah, you watch it. He looks like a zombie pope. He, he doesn't does. even recognize the fact there's a spider crawling all over his body. That seems like an undead person if you don't notice that something like is crawling all over your face. Blessed are the brains. Uh, in any event, 720 today, we'll do the top five. A top five songs about jailbait. That'll be the, uh, that's a, sort of a Mackenzie Phillips themed top five. Top five jailbait songs coming up at the 720. And in the 8 o'clock hour, Jim Roop from CNN Radio, Los Angeles, and filmmaker Kevin Smith. Joining us. Okay, so we've got further clarification. Can you uh, sweeten my microphone ever so slightly? Thank you. Uh, on the Mythbusters thing. So I guess th- this is the final explanation because it's been forever since I've seen this episode. I guess they were testing that myth about if you got a car in which someone had died. In other words, if you bought a car that had been in some sort of an accident where there had been a corpse in it, the, the question was, could you ever get the smell of a corpse out of your car? So they had simulated it using uh, a pig. Because I guess that's the kind of where, like, their their um, um, their makeup, like their skin and similar, so forth. It's like a very similar to, to humans in many ways. So they put a pig in a shipping container. Um, they put a pig inside the car and put it in a metal shipping container, which they then left in the sun for a month. Uh, Boy. And apparently the deal was that they could never, ever, ever get the smell out. And they they, re- they discovered that you would, in fact, have to get rid of everything but the metal frame of the car itself. Now, I'm not trying to compare Katie and Jessica to dead pigs who are sitting inside the sun in a metal container in California as such. I'm just saying there are many things inside that truck that are putting off a lot of bad, bad olfactory vibes right now. We all know that. There are two human beings in there who haven't showered in 10 days. Well, that does not make for good smells. Yes. That does not, regardless of how, like, pretty or clean or whoever anybody is, after 10 days of not cleaning yourself, you're going to smell. And I, yes, yeah, there's just, I, I was going to offer further clarification, but you're right. I mean, it's just, you're sitting there's in the no sun. Around it. There's no getting around it. And you are surrounded by rotting shrimp and pizza. I mean, it's just. You're Angelina Jolie. You're in a truck for 10 days surrounded by rotting food. <laughs> you're going to stink. It's an unavoidable outcome. Yes. Is Angelina Jolie in that truck? No. Oh. No, she's not, Tim. Never before has a statement been so definitive and clear cut. Angelina Jolie is not in that truck. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. The Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth. You're a bad person, this by the way. Is Tim Riley? That's been said before, but it leaves me unfazed. Good morning, everyone. It is 6:26. The wet weather continues all the way through the weekend. Highs today and the next few days only in the 60s. So fall is definitely here. Because everything else has failed, there is a new vision to find Southeast 82nd Avenue crime. This time with art, A-R-T. ODOT is erecting a sculpture barrier. On the medium between North, uh, uh, South, let's see, Southeast Wasco and Jonesmore, and specifically for pedestrians, those who refuse to cross at the regular walkways. And because people are jaywalking on 82nd, they're all getting picked off one by one. Where's Wasco? I don't know. Sarah? I don't know. It's off of Southeast 82nd somewhere. Yeah. Wasco and uh, Jonesmore. I guess anytime I'm in 82nd, I'm just busy speeding along the road at the, like, the, the highest velocity I can possibly attain without being pulled over so I can get off of that road as soon as possible. I mean, anytime I'm obliged to take 82nd, the whole goal is like, what is the point A to point B so I can get onto a different stretch of, uh, a different stretch of, uh, of Portland Road? Also this, when you noted that they're going to be fighting it with art, that reminds me of that thing. Was it, where was it the other, just, I don't know, like six, seven months ago, they decided they were going to start some neighborhood rejuvenation project. I mean, most of the neighborhoods like this that need some sort of addressing, they just need to be cured with fire. I mean, that's it. Fire and napalm. Or maybe just a, just the hand of God coming down to, uh, you know, to clean everything. Or construct some cinder block trees. 
That'd be beautiful, too. Exactly right. Uh, well, right. You look, you jaywalk in any second. That's, uh, that's your own fault. Sarah's now compulsively cleaning the microphone, by the way. It's no longer enough for her to uh, clean off her computer with alcohol. I accidentally smelled it, and it smelled bad. Oh, you don't want to smell the microphone in a studio. To. I know, because I was, I was watching Tim, and I... Exhale only. I was really close to it. I yeah, know. you don't do that. Pretty soon you'd be like the Pope. You'd be covered in arachnids. Oh, the Pope has no idea that there's a, that there's a spider no crawling on the side of his head. He is completely oblivious. It's one thing if you're sleeping. What like, did... Go- what did Greg just do? Greg just flinched over there. I uh, all right. I okay. You guys are talking about spiders. Some hair just flew into my face, and uh, I'm in the middle of typing something. Somehow, subconsciously, I just wow. thought a spider was on me. I, yes, did I you know. see that just now? I, I saw twitching out of the corner of my eye. Oh, I, was, oh, I, was, I was hoping no one saw that happen. Uh, Rick Emerson saw that happen. Yes, I would I give anything if we had had that on film just now. Just as soon as I was talking, I was talking about the Pope being covered in spiders. I'm in the middle of doing all these other things too. Like I wasn't that. Paying that much attention, but I don't know. Something got into me. Yeah. It was like somebody just tased you. Jesus. I've, I've had a lot of coffee. Okay. Here's Tim <laughs> Riley at the news desk. Yes, Your Honor, I did have songbirds in my pants. An Orange County, California man pleading guilty to smuggling songbirds from Vietnam to Los Angeles by hiding them in his pants. Wasn't the cleverest of ideas. 46-year-old Sonny Dong entered his guilty plea on one kind of illegally transporting wildlife. Uh, Mr. Dong was arrested at LAX. <laughs> After, here we go again. After customs agents found more than a dozen birds underneath his clothing. Fourteen were strapped onto his legs from a commercial flight from Vietnam to LAX. Prosecutors said uh, the dong man had bird feathers and droppings on his socks and tail feathers peeking out from underneath his pants when arrested. Is Mr. Dong one of those little cartoon characters that hangs out with, like, Miss, Miss Chatty? I don't know, but these were three wet-whiskered bulbuls, four magpie robins, and six shama thrush. Among the many birds in the dong pants. There should be a TV show called The Adventures of Sunny Dong and Joseph Scruz. <laughs> well, his good friend, Duck Lee, pled not guilty to smuggling charges. He goes on trial on October 27th. Uh, Lee had linked Dong. Linked? Yes. With an N? Yes. Okay. Lee was linked to Dong and charged. Yes. With outdoor aviary theft. Please describe how he was linked to Dong. Well, apparently, was, it, was this for? Uh, they were involved in continue. the theft of fifty-one Asian songbirds. All right. Uh, so Lee was linked to Dong. You know, before you, uh, before we went down this Dong road, I was, uh, I was working on a Kenny G uh, joke, you know, to sort of spin off of this story. But uh, I decided not to do that. Let's do one more here, and then we'll uh, take a break. On the other side, we'll talk to Steve Cronin for the Portland Timbers. Who wants toys for Christmas? Me. I do. All right. Well, there's a big promotion going on this year. Walmart is offering 100 toys. At $10 for the holiday season. Among them, for the girls, Barbie cut and style Rapunzel dolls. And uh, for boys, I guess, well, girls can cook too, I suppose. A Play-Doh burger builder set. You're making burgers out of Play-Doh. I think somebody's got everything the, on your plate. The, the Rapunzel Barbie, <laughs> somebody's got the wrong idea there. Because why would, why would you be cutting the hair of your Rapunzel doll? I don't know. That's just incorrect. That's well, because just... the worst thing about Barbies and cutting their hair is that they run out of hair. But I mean, isn't that? Maybe it's one of those. I had a doll when I was younger that had a crank arm that you could crank out more hair. (laughs) Crank arm? Is that when she needed to stay up a long time to study for finals? (laughs) Did she also come with like? uh, No, she had a a crank arm, and so like whenever I um, I ran out of hair because I'd always cut their hair, I could just crank out more hair. And that would just come out the top of their skull. Yeah, but it was like it was bunched in a ponytail, but it was like her, like the entire doll was full of hair, and you could just like. I got a doll full of hair. (laughs) Like, you crank more hair out. It's like uh, it's like Jared. What is the hair made out of? 
I it's just know. like plastic, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that the deal? Because that's the give you the razor, sell you the blades thing of little girls, is that you give them the Barbie doll and then you sell them more hair to put inside it. Mm, right? oh, because once, once the Barbie doll is out of hair, then they're like, they can't cut the hair. And then you just got some big butch Barbie doll. Uh, can it be replaced with like a printer cartridge full of hair? No, but I, it, All of my gem dolls, yeah, have no hair. Do you buy replacement doll. hair for your dolls? No, n- not specifically for Barbies or for gems. Because I just cut off all their hair and then there's nothing you could do about it. But but this specific doll, I <laughs> had to like crank some, out more hair. You just have some big lesbo Barbie. I uh, Hi, I'm Barbie. I'm here to, uh, I'm here to put in your uh, indoor sprinkling system. So... I don't even know what we're talking about here. Something toys, toys, play doh, burger builder set, and yeah, right. Barbie cut and style Rapunzo. I'm just saying they've got Rapunzo. The, <laughs> that's the Italian version. The Hello, Rapunzel kids. Part. I'm Rapunzo. Who wants to go to the birthday party? The thing about the Rapunzel Barbie is they've got the totally wrong idea there. Because if you if, if Rapunzel cuts her hair, then how is the guy supposed to climb up into the tower? That's just wrong. Rapunzel doesn't need her haircut. That is someone who has misread the fairy tale. It's sort of a literary inaccuracy drives me crazy. Well, macaroni and cheese has been named one of the top foods of fall. And lasagna leads the list of hearty meals people plan to prepare and serve as the weather turns colder. Hearty is code for fattening, by the way, when someone says hearty portion. My mom makes the best lasagna. Macaroni and cheese will be the staple of 21% of those taking the survey. A casserole is the dish of choice for 16%. It came in third. Roasted root vegetables and butternut squash round out these offerings by 6% of respondents. Nearly 30% uh, note they'll be likely to be dining on a mix of these selections, including macaroni and cheese, vegetables, and pasta during the upcoming cold months of fall. So this is a survey to determine if at some point during the next three months you'll be having macaroni. That's correct, yes. All right. Well, that's great. People get paid to do this. Yes, they do, Tim. Coming up next, we'll talk to Steve Cronin from the Portland Timbers. 7 o'clock, Ryan White from the Oregonian. The top five songs about jailbait and filmmaker Kevin Smith on the way as well. Stay there. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in color. Huh? Yeah, that's right. Who's rigged now, Mr. Riggy Man? The Rick Emerson Show returns. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is Wednesday, September 30th. Thank you for coming by. It's 503-228-4101. In just a few minutes, we'll talk to Steve Cronin. He's the goalkeeper for the Portland Timbers. Uh, 7 o'clock, we'll talk to Art Webb, who's on-site at Survive It and Drive It. Continues at Dick Hanna Dodge. Uh, Don't forget, online voting is happening now. Started yesterday, 3 p.m. Goes all the way to Friday, 4 p.m. And then we announce the winner this coming Friday at 5 Uh, We will have uh, excerpts from the speeches that were given by Jessica and Katie yesterday. We'll have those later on this morning as well. 7 o'clock, Ryan White from the Oregonian will be here. 720, top five. Top five songs about jailbait. And then in the 8 o'clock hour, uh, Kevin Smith, filmmaker extraordinaire, will be with us. It's 503-228-4101. In just a moment, Tim Riley will uh, give us some headlines. We want to remind you the Portland Timbers are hosting the uh, USL First Division semifinal round home playoff match on Sunday, October 4th. PGE Park presented by Spirit Mountain Casino. Kickoff is at uh, 4 p.m. Single-game tickets for the semifinal match start at $14 in advance and are on sale at PGE Park's box office, area Ticketmaster locations at Ticketmaster.com or by phone at 800-745-3000. But if you are uh, caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101, you will win a pair of tickets to the Timbers playoff game right now. 503-228-4101. Tim Riley is tracking the following stories on your Wednesday morning. Nearly 6,000 drivers were killed last year due to driver distraction. Many of them were texting while behind the wheel. It must stop. 
Call centers throughout the United States employed kids as young as 13 to make phone calls. And an Afghan girl is dead after being hit on the head with a box of propaganda dropped from a British military plane. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Portland Timbers. Goalkeeper extraordinaire Steve Cronin. How are you on this uh, Wednesday morning, sir? Oh, it's early, but I'm doing pretty good. Are you? Uh, here's a dumb question. Are you in? Are you in Portland right now? No, we're up in Vancouver already. We got in. Uh, we got in last night about eight o'clock. So you're already in uh, last night. Now the semifinal round starts uh, Thursday, October first. It's Portland, Vancouver, and then it continues on the fourth with Vancouver at Portland. And you guys actually, you got to skip the first round altogether just because you're awesome, right? Yeah, we did. Uh, we did a good enough job during the regular season where they decided we didn't have to play the first round, so it worked out for us. Did you feel that you were guys were sort of on a roll as the season went on? Because I know that 2007 was uh, the last time uh, you know the Timbers were in the league semifinals. So, and then 2008 didn't go that way. 2009 back in the semifinals. Could you sense that there was momentum building throughout the season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had a great streak going there for a while, and uh, you know we were always kind of climbing our way toward the top and. Once we once we got up there, you know, with uh, with about you know ten eleven games left to go, I think we I think we knew that that it was something that was definitely within reach, and and uh, you know it's definitely a goal. It was one of the many goals we had for the season, and uh, we reached that one. And now our next goal is to win the championship and, and win in the playoffs. So that's what we're faced with now, and that's what we're focused on. When you were in the studio last time, we talked about uh, the Timbers Army and how there's just such a huge rabid fan base here. And oh yeah, traveling around, do you see? Anything like that in any of the other cities that that is even uh, that approaches what it's like in Portland? What what is the what city have you seen that is the closest maybe to the uh, to the devotion that the fan base here has? Uh, maybe Montreal, just based on the uh, the amount of fans they have at the games. But there's really there's honestly nothing close to when it comes in terms of like the organization of like the Timbers Army and the. Uh, and you know, just the the kind of the scale they have for the for the rabid fans, as you say. Uh, do you think any of the Timbers Army folk are going to be uh, up in Vancouver tomorrow to watch you guys play? I would put a million dollars down that there will be some Timbers Army <laughs> people there. Yeah, that's devotion, man. Well, I'm I'm devoted, that's, but yeah. I I will be coming to see you on Sunday. Not so much going to British Columbia. Uh, that's all right. I'm not mad at you for it. Okay, good. <laughs> so the uh, then it will continue once uh, this Thursday, October first game happens. Then the next game is going to be here. It's uh, going to be Vancouver, Portland on Sunday, October fourth. W- what kind of an advantage do you get going from uh, you know the opposing team's field to home field? How much does that affect um, your performance? Um. You know what you have after the first round. I mean, uh, the first game. The first game's always. You know, I think both teams kind of play tentative, and, and you kind of feel it out. And to be honest, like a tie is is uh, more likely to happen in that game. Um, so going forward, you know, uh, that's getting a result in the first game is always is always the important goal. And in the second game, you kind of have a better feel for what you need to do based on what happened in the first game. And to have home field advantage when you know what you want to do uh, makes a big difference. And if the game ends up being tied in, in the aggregate score, the overtime and penalty kicks is uh, is played at the at our place. The, and, and not knowing uh, you know really anything uh, the, uh, you know about the layout of the field uh, myself. I mean, I always wonder you know when guys talk about home field advantage, is that more just because you're in your hometown, or is it because of the fans, or is it actually something about the physical makeup of the field itself, or is it a combination of all those things? instance it's a combination of all of them because they play on grass up here and we play on artificial turf 
Um, and being being at home is always, you know, it's a, it's always easier. I mean, not staying in a hotel room. Um, and then also, you know, the fans always, especially for us, always makes a big difference. So uh, in this case, it's all three of them. So we, we definitely look forward to getting a good result here and, and then uh, using all three of those things to our advantage when we come back to Portland. Excellent. Portland Timbers goalkeeper Steve Cronin. Uh, the semifinal round starts Thursday, October 1st, Portland at Vancouver. And then, of course, Vancouver at Portland on Sunday, October 4th. Uh, best of luck, my friend. Travel safe and uh, have a great game. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, sir. Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KUFO. KUFO! Portland! It's the Rick Emerson Show, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It is Wednesday, September 30th, 2009. Coming up in uh, just moments, we will talk to our good friend Art Webb. He is on site at KUFO's Survive It and Drive It contest, which continues unabated at uh, Dick Hanna Dodge, a corner of 4th Plain and Auto Mall Drive. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. We will have one of the speeches before the end of this segment. I think we'll play back Jessica's speech, and then later on we'll play back Katie's speech from yesterday. They each had 90 seconds to make their case to the audience, because the deal is the online voting is already happening. It's happening now. It started at 3 p.m., the online voting will continue at KUFO.com all the way through this week until Friday at 4 p.m. Uh, all of the, the polling will close Friday at 4 p.m. Friday at 5 p.m. The winner of the contest will be announced. So if you've got uh, you know, an early favorite, if you've got you know somebody you're already pulling for, you go and you vote right now. But we're going to uh, play back their speeches. We announced this to them yesterday morning. They had all day to craft a speech. They each gave it yesterday afternoon. Tim and uh, Greg were out there to witness this. We'll play it back. In a moment, and we'll talk to Art and kind of see what uh, what's going on. Out and that there doesn't mean we still well. can't mess with them because Greg and I oh, are no. going to be out there today. Oh, you know, no, because now, like, because here's the thing: it's like now you know that there pro- there's probably nothing you can do to get them out of the truck at this well, point. Well, we can try. I mean, do, but, but I mean that just raises the stakes for us, right? It just makes it all the more satisfying if we can somehow drive them away. Well, now we do know there's a pet store in the vicinity of the, of the truck. Yeah, you know, I'm. Can I just tell you? I'm just I'm carrying a grudge about that whole crickets thing. Uh, the fact that the crickets were in there, and then. I'm not trying to pick on the street teamers, but then somebody didn't talk to somebody, and then the speaker was put inside the truck, drowning out the noise of the crickets. It's just, uh, that's a missed opportunity is what that is. That's a, uh, that is just a, that is, that is a failed opening. So I'm going to have to go, um, I'm going to have to go buy a bag of centipedes. I mean, that's just, uh, I said that just for You know what the creepiest things ever? We should buy them water bugs. I don't know what water bugs are. They are the grossest bugs ever. They're in New York everywhere. And uh, oh, you and I, when we were in New York, I saw we saw one of those climbing up the side of the building when we were at that bar. And they have millions of legs, but their antennas move um, like in different directions, and they're totally like noodly bodies. The best part is how you were using your fingers right now to to demonstrate what different directions meant. Also, (laughs) mealworms. So you don't get confused. Mealworms are not a walk in the park either. Those things are creepy. Mealworms are actually so freaky looking that they were used in an episode of the X Files without any augmentation. They didn't alter them at all. They were. They were in the Arctic with Felicity Huffman for some reason. And there was a like a parasite that would go on your brain and turn you into a zombie. And they just used like a regular plain old mealworm for it because they're so freaky looking. Uh, so we'll go to Art Webb at uh, Survive It and Drive It here in a moment. Uh, music editor from the Oregonian, Ryan White, is in the studio. We'll be counting down the top five jailbait songs at uh, 720. That's coming up. And uh, what else will we be discussing with the good people of Portland, Ryan White? Uh, I know I should want to talk about me, but just back on that real quick for a second. <laughs> you should just build an entire food chain in there. You can get the crickets, and then whatever eats the crickets, and then whatever eats the like an old lady who swallowed a fly kind of a thing. Yeah, I you know I'm a Planet Earth fan, so I tend to watch bigger <laughs> things chasing each other than what would fit in a truck. But you know I'm sure this can be figured out. And we can get oh. David Attenborough to stand outside and go. 
And now the dance of death begins. Exactly. Paralyzed by the poison, the creature can only watch helplessly as its own feet are devoured. It'd be great in high def. Yes, yes, it that's, would. That's what that truck needs is high definition. Well, you know, I think, um, I think we've already, this will be like trials of life the next time we do it. Volume one, living in a truck. <laughs> Uh, we tried to go with the big bag of ladybugs, but then when somebody told us that ladybugs actually bite savagely, which I didn't really know. And, and they're uh, pretty. And they're pretty. <laughs> well, so, it's all about learning new things. That's what I'm so, saying. Um, uh, what is uh, what is coming up in your uh, segment later on? Ever hear of competitive yoga? No. No. Okay. No. It seems completely the opposite of what yoga should be, right? Yes. yes. So Red Bull's sponsoring a sound clash at uh, the Crystal Ballroom uh, tomorrow night with... On one stage, Viva Voce, kind of local, straight indie rock, really cool. And on the other stage, a more old-timey, The Builders and The Butchers. And they're going to face off against each other. Uh, and it seems completely strange. And I've been told that with my media pass, I can go backstage afterwards and talk to the bands. And I've always wondered what it would be like if you had to cover music exactly the way that I used to cover sports. And I think I'm going to find out. Awesome. <laughs> we'll do that. We'll talk about uh, the top five jailbait songs as well. And uh, you said something sort of tantalizing as we were walking into the studio and you didn't elaborate. You just said that you think the best album of the year came out yesterday, and I and I do. and I, I don't want to know anything about it quite yet because I just because otherwise we'll get totally sidetracked. Ryan White will be joining us again in just a moment. Tim Riley's tracking these headlines on your Thursday morning. I'm sorry, Wednesday morning. The Pacific Island tsunami death toll rises to 111, and it is snowing on Mount Hood and some of the other higher mountains of Oregon, and we'll visit with Patrick Swayze as he reads to us later. I don't think anybody's visiting. Well, I mean, I guess you could visit with Patrick Swayze, but that's going to be a bit of a one-sided conversation at this juncture, I think. Yes. Well, we're going to hear from him anyway. Note how I skipped the obligatory joke about Ghost 2. Bam! Rock 101 KUFO's Survive It. I thought that was funny. Live it from Canada Dodge to the giant Vancouver Auto Mall. No, it's not. All right. Let's uh, go out to our good friend Art Webb. He is on site at Survive It and Drive It as we now enter day 749 of this <laughs> glorious contest. Hello, Art. Hey, are the uh, are the lovely ladies awake this morning? Yes, they are awake. Uh, my good friend Andrew showed up with some sugary sweet goodness from Jackson's, and uh, they popped right up as soon as they smelled food. Good. I uh, it looked like they were running low on uh, on on sugar there uh, inside the truck. Also, uh, also fat and starch. Try to get some more of that in there. I'm. They might be going through withdrawal at this point. Do they look in person? Anywhere near, and I and I, there's no other way to put it. Anywhere near as bad as they do right now on the webcam because they have got. They can't be under any like idea that they look good. I mean, that's the thing, and, and I, you know, I'm not trying. It sounds like I'm picking on on their appearance as such, and it's not really that. It's like you keep anybody more or less awake for like seven days. First of all, at this point, we could probably turn them into Manchurian candidates if we wanted. They probably have no willpower left for anything except sitting immobile. But um. Do they seem, when you talk to them, do they seem with it? Do they seem uh, that awake or, you know, sort of uh, sharp around the edges right now? Yeah, they. I mean, they seem uh, coherent, but that would be about as far as I can. I could get. I, I wouldn't say that you could put them through any kind of test or anything like that. They can, uh, they can. We should totally do that. We should go out there and we should try to do some. We should drunk test them. When they get out of the truck uh, the next time, you should do the drunk test. You should do the alphabet backward thing, the, the standing on one foot or whatever the hell it is when they, they're testing you by the side of the road. We should completely do that to see kind of where their mental faculties are. Greg and I could do that today if you'd like. You should absolutely do that because, uh, you know, you hear that if you if you don't get good REM cycles for more than, I think, three or four days, that you start to go a little a little wonky. And by, I mean, this is like seven days now. So I'd be curious to know, you know, how what kind of cognitive function they got left. Um do you have a scent art to uh, how they feel their speeches to the people went over yesterday? 
Well, we can get that straight from the horse's mouth if you like. Hey, uh, Jessica, how do you feel like your speech went uh, over yesterday? Um, it went really well. I forgot to mention that, you know, without a truck, I can't get my son to school or to the grocery store. But otherwise, I did well. Jessica feels good. And uh, Katie, is, uh, is Katie there as well? Does she ever read on how, uh, how she thinks people received her, uh, her plea? Yes, I got Katie right here. Katie, how do you feel like you were received yesterday? I think it went really well. I did excellent. Um, yeah, I said what I needed to say and kept it pretty quick. Wow, this is like I'm in a locker room or something. All she needs to do is say, well, we played the game we needed to play. And, I give it 100%. Um, seriously, those guys, they, uh, you know, they came to dance, and so uh, that's what we did as well. And we're just going to go out there, and we're going uh, to play, uh, you know, play the great offense that we know that we can play. And um, there you go. Back to you, Chet. Uh, I think right now, probably what we're going to do is we will give um, we'll give people a taste of one of the speeches. We will play Jessica's speech, and then later on we'll play Katie's. The voting is going on at uh, it started yesterday at three p.m. It's going on at kufo.com around the clock all the way till Friday at four p.m. Do you feel like uh, Katie and Jessica at this point are, have got anything else that they? that they could do or would do or might be planning to do to win people over? In other words, do they feel like they've made their case and probably everybody has decided, or are they uh, are they still going to angle to try to win people over? Are you guys uh, still angling to win people over? Do you feel like that uh, this, this is it, this is where you're at, and uh, this is what you're going to stick with? This is where I'm at. This is what I'm going to stick with. I think I've made my case very well. Same for you, Katie. Katie agrees. Yeah. Boy, it's just like working with like a really, really limited amount of refrigerator poetry magnets uh, in those brains right now. All right. Uh, Art Webb, oh, By the is, way, Rick, yes. I, I was uh, asked to clarify for you that the, uh, the speaker was in the truck pre-crickets. It was in the okay. It was in the truck. It was raining or something. Maybe they wanted to get the rained on. So, all right. Hey, here's a dumb question. Is it? Um, I might have asked this already, but I mean, is it is it cold out there? Were they able to sleep? What with the uh, the only having one blanket and everything? It was really cold yesterday. Sleep all right last night in the cold. Were you all right? Did well. They did well. It's colder than hell out here. I got to tell you, I'm freezing. Yeah, at this point, I have to say, I almost don't believe anything they say just because I'm not really sure they're able to process my questions uh, it's adequately. It's all lies. It, no, it's just a lot of, yes, have some. I mean, they're all Rick Moranis and Ghostbusters at this point. <laughs> All right. Uh, Art Webb is on side. KUFO surviving and drive it. Thank you, sir. Uh, don't forget that uh, Greg Nibbler and Sarah X. Dillon will be uh, there today from 4 to 6. That's the corner of 4th Plain and Auto Mall Drive. Without further ado, let me go ahead and play Jessica's speech from yesterday. Later on, we'll play Katie's. So they were given 90 seconds, basically. they were. We talked to them yesterday morning. We said, look, coming up in court in Fapo, you're going to have 90 seconds to give your speech to the people to try to get you know votes on your side. And I think... Everybody sort of feels like maybe uh, Katie has the steeper hill to climb. Uh, what with what with everybody uh, just referring to her as the racist. I mean, she doesn't and even also, really have a name at this point. I'm just confused because she keeps talking about the car for her business, but then she doesn't have a job. Now, does she? I thought she did have a job. No, I I don't believe that she did. She said when she was talking to Laura, she said her job was raising her children. Anyone? Well, I think she says that her job is now house cleaning, but then she's also referred to as a band promoter, and then she says she doesn't have a job. So I'm, I'm confused as well. And then I thought she had two other cars, and then now she has three. And then she also has a car parked 15 you know, feet away from the truck that she keeps her cooler in. Yeah, which obviously the family is not using or in need of very much since it's been parked there. Yeah, for a I mean, they've, yeah, they've That's got... That's a good point. They, how much does the family need the car if she's just leaving it parked there for a week and a half? They, exactly. really, they have, yeah, three vehicles. Uh, so I'm, yeah, there's a, Katie's a big mystery to me. And plus, look, I, I hate to say this, but didn't we, didn't we hear from somebody that, uh, didn't we hear from somebody that they think her, uh, uh, 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Did you bring it up? Uh, I know what you're talking about. I didn't bring it up out there yesterday. I was thinking about bringing that up today. Okay, but... then I won't say it. Ooh, all right. I'll well, say it. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. All right, you'll be listening to Court and Fatboy today. There's uh, Greg is going to... Uh, there's there's a bit of a controversy. There's uh, something that Greg is going to be looking into today. Ooh. Yeah, so to speak. All right, uh, it's 503-228-4101. Okay, so here we go. This is Jessica's speech during the Court and Fatboy show yesterday when she was given 90 seconds uh, to make her case to you, the KUFO voters. All right, Jessica, you're on. Hello, my name is Jessica. I've been here surviving all of this madness to uh, win a truck for me and my son. Um, We don't have a vehicle. We haven't had a vehicle for about a year. I have an 86 Volvo that has just died, and this would be a fantastic addition to our family. Uh, We like to go camping. We like to ride bikes and have a lot of fun together, and at this point, we can do none of that. So... um, we really deserve this, and we really, really need it. So hopefully I'm getting through to you all, and you will vote for me when the time comes. It's here. <laughs> you stopped down left. You did. I, Is she good. actually doing a verbal emoticon there? All right, brief. <laughs> Cry. <laughs> Cry. <laughs> Cry for me. All right, so. All right, well, there we go. That was Jessica giving her plea. As court's turning into Greg. Short. <laughs> All right, well, there you go. I don't like it when they have too much self-esteem or worth. All right, straight ahead, we will talk to Ryan White from the Oregonian. We'll count on the top five songs about jailbait as well. Uh, 8 o'clock, Cena Radio correspondent Jim Roop. Uh, we'll hear Katie's speech, and also in the 8 o'clock hour, filmmaker Kevin Smith. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We are live from Portland. Rock 101 KUFO, survive it and drive it. From Dick Hanna Dodge and the giant Vancouver Automall. Who will win a Dodge Ram truck? Thanks to Domino's. Lazy Boy Furniture. Jackson's Food Stores. And 7-Up. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 it is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for uh, joining us. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up at 8 o'clock, CNM Radio correspondent Jim Roop will join us from Los Angeles. Uh, we will also touch filmmaker Kevin Smith next hour, and we'll pay a final visit uh, to the Survive It and uh, Drive It folks this morning. And then uh, Greg and Sarah will be there this afternoon from 4 to 6. We'll hear Katie's speech, and um, we will uh, continue our investigation into the... Um, into the strange case of one of the contestants, which I'm not saying that what you were just talking about during the break is true, Sarah. I'm just saying that I... Uh, yeah, and Greg I, was letting me know what you guys were talking about earlier, and that's... Yeah, uh, that's pretty true. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't have any evidence that the kid isn't really hers. I mean, that's just a... I mean, it's just an allegation. I, I mean, did you see... Let me ask you this. Well, the kid didn't have any ID, right? I mean... I didn't check any ID. There was did just you, a random kid running around our kitchen. Did That's, you hear the kid call her, like, mommy? Did, did he? I don't recall that. No. So Jessica had a kid here, but we don't know that it was her kid. And there was another, there was a guy with the kid, too. So for all I know, that was that guy's kid. She could have been diabolical from the beginning. Do we have any photographs of her with this kid? I don't, not to my knowledge. Uh, I'm looking right. for them now. Has the kid come out to visit her? Uh, no, actually, I don't think, as far as I know, he hasn't. Maybe he has, but at least as, uh, right. as far as last week, he hadn't been out And there. you know what else is strange is that when she was here, she was talking about how she didn't have a good relationship with her ex-husband, but yet her ex-husband has come out 
to visit her at the truck and bring her stuff. She may be craftier than we thought. And was, she did have the best, um, remember uh, what she was going to do in the truck to try and win it? Her strategy. Yeah. She yeah. did have strategy. an evil sort yeah. of, uh, we can just we say, can it, say now. it now. Yeah. Her strategy was to start flirting with the male contestants so their fiancés would demand that they get out of the truck and come home. We didn't reveal that at the time because we told her that we would keep it in confidence, but that was Jessica's strategy. She was going to get in the truck and start flirting with all the dudes so that their fiancés would be like, I don't like that Jessica girl. I want you out of that truck at home now. And she had a plan like right from the start. So what if she's been playing us with the fake kid? Also, she's got black soulless eyes like the devil's eyes. <laughs> she could be one of those goths. I'm just saying what we're all thinking. Uh, it's 503 228 Four one zero one. So I mean, there was a kid here. I just people are saying that it might not really be her kid. I myself am not uh, the passing judgment one or the other. But uh, some people say uh, that Jessica's merely pretending to be a uh, single mother. I believe his name is Booger. So if you go up behind him and yell Booger, if he doesn't turn around, you know that we've been had. I guess you could make the point of why would you fabricate a kid named Booger? But I mean, maybe that's the uh, you know the mark of every good con is the detail. Tim. He may be named after a late father or something. <laughs> are you of the uh, Tualatin Boogers? All right, it's uh, 503-228-4101. We are here with uh, Oregonian music editor Ryan White. We'll count down the top five here in a moment. Top five songs about jailbait. You said that you think the album of the year may have come out yesterday. I think it may have, and I think it might be available at Starbucks of all places. What is this? The Avett Brothers uh, new disc, I In Love and You. I saw them down in New Orleans this year. I'd heard of them somewhere. I think it was when Bruce Springsteen was guest DJing on East Street Radio, and he played one of their songs, and the name kind of stuck in my head, and I saw it on the, the Jazz Fest schedule, and I was like, you know, the people I was with, I was like, oh, we got to go check them out. I heard they're they're good. They have the they have the boss stamp of approval, right? And uh, so we go there, and and there's just this wild show with you know they got a guy on a cello, they got a guy on stand up bass, and then the brothers on you know mostly acoustic guitar and banjo. And there was one song where I think the banjo popped three or four strings, and the tech kept running out. And you know they're from North Carolina, and then you know so I'd been in this job about a month or so, and the advance copy of their new disc comes in, and I put it in, and it's you know the first song is just this heartbreakingly gorgeous ballad that's just piano and a little bit of drums. I was like, is this the same band? And then I grabbed the press release, and oh, Rick Rubin produced it. And Rubin did what Rubin does. He stripped them, you know, he stripped everything down to just the, the you know, the, the barest essentials of the song. Right. And it, it just worked. It, in some ways, it's, you know, it's the most polished thing that I've heard them do. It's their major label debut on on Columbia, but it's also the rawest, because, I mean, it, it's just these really beautiful songs and, you know, it still has some of the raucousness of the live show. And I've seen some videos online of them playing some of the new stuff. And it's immediately right back to, you know, they, they push these things live right to the edge of falling completely apart because they're all going uh, crazy on them. And then they save them and bring them back at the end. But it, it, it's just, I, I think it's an amazing record. And it's the Avett Brothers? The Avett Brothers, yeah. All right, excellent. And, uh, you know, Rick Rubin, he did this thing where uh, years ago his production credit actually used to say reduced by Rick Rubin, which is what it says in the first LL Cool J record, because his whole method is he should strip everything down to the bare essentials and then make the big those bare essentials kind of as big and loud as, as you possibly can within the structure of the song. Yeah, the Charlotte Observer did this big A1 piece on Sunday about these guys, and, uh, and, and you know, they were talking about how Rubin was making them do 15, 16 takes of songs, and they'd never even probably done more than three in the studio before, and, you know, as soon as he heard the demos, which they'd always apparently written on piano and stuff, he was like, no, this is this is the way that we'll do them. Awesome. Tim Riley's tracking these headlines on your Wednesday morning. There's a clown in outer space. A billionaire pays big bucks to be on a spaceship with the Russians. More than 300 are dead across Southeast Asia following a typhoon. 
And the U.S. is speeding up the Iraq military withdrawal. 4,000 more are heading home. Straight ahead, we will have today's top five, the top five jailbait songs, along with uh, Ryan White and the Oregonian. Coming up at 8 o'clock, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Uh, we will also uh, pay a final visit for the uh, show today with uh, Katie and Jessica and the Survive It and Drive It truck and filmmaker Kevin Smith. Stay right there. Back after this. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. This is the Rick Emerson Show. My humor comes from watching my parents have sex, smoke weed, my mom being naked. On Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Coming up at 8 o'clock, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop, who is covering the inane You Must Free Roman Polanski Now movement. Which will not work, but which will gain no traction. This is the this is the wrong year in which to be a child buggerer who has been nabbed by the man. That's going to end badly for you. Uh, let's see what else coming up at uh, eight twenty. We'll talk to Art Webb. Uh, he's out there at Survive It and Drive It. Uh, we will uh, play back Katie's speech that she gave yesterday. Katie had a sort of 90-second pitch that she gave to everybody to, to trying to get the folks to vote for her at KUFO.com uh, to win the truck. So we'll play that back. We'll pay a final visit to them uh, for our show today. And also in the 8 o'clock hour, Kevin Smith, filmmaker Kevin Smith will be with us. Uh, we're alongside a music editor from the Oregonian, Ryan White. We're going to count down the top five jailbait songs in just one moment. Uh, what is this thing you're covering at the Crystal? Uh, the Red Bull Sound Clash. They got two uh, pretty different local bands going up against each other in some form of competitive concert, uh, which sounds. Is this like not a, an Oat Eaters of... kind of a thing where they have to, uh, you know, they have to score Wicked or something? Apparently, they're going to be given tasks live, except that there's a rehearsal today. So I don't know if they're just, and I don't know what these tasks are going to be. It was, and I, I you know, I'll tell go... them they have to eat nothing but pizza and be covered with insects. That uh, <laughs> that's the way to fame and fortune. Play your best song while sitting in a truck. <laughs> exactly. No, next year, I'm telling you, if we ever do the survive and drive it thing again, I think somebody had the great idea of just putting an amplifier in the back of the truck with the cord trailing out to the parking lot. And just like, come by, plug in, play all you want. It's 503-228-4101. Here is your top five. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Wonderful counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, with your top five, here is Tim Riley. And the world of rock and roll is filled with illicit behaviors, some more taboo than others. As the story of Mackenzie Phillips continues to shock, horrify, and amaze, we take a moment to ponder the interaction of rock and roll and underage activities of the most scandalous variety. Here are the top five songs about jailbait. Number five is Winger with 17. Yeah. I just like any excuse to inflict Winger on people. So so here's the question, and I, I suppose I should pose this to Sarah. Would yes, the sir. Would the shredded off-the-shoulder T-shirt still be a good look, or was it ever? Off the shoulder, I I wear off the shoulder shirt, but but, but I don't, I don't I'm really dudes with like really hairy. It's like when Kip oh, Winger yes. wears it. 
No. Remember this video? He'd like do that little pirouette and yeah. like probably in the rain because there was always rain involved and, <laughs> and a purple backlight. Yeah, and, you know, they, he had it shredded with just like a, a little thread of fabric that would come off the shoulder as he kind of posed with the base. Well, a pretty man can pull off pretty much anything. He is a pretty man. He is. is and he, him and his whiter than white teeth. That's the thing I remember. The thing about Kip Winger is, have you ever seen an interview with Kip Winger? Not in a long, long time. Um, he's one of those guys that you want to hate, you know, just because Winger. Yeah. Uh, and then, but then you see an interview with him, and he's like the coolest, smartest guy, and he has no illusions about his place in rock and roll. He has no, like, he's not a guy who labors under this sort of the delusion that he was important in the grand sense of the word. And, uh, you know, he invested his money wisely, lives in uh, New Mexico somewhere, has a huge house, teaches a few guitar lessons on the side. And he's like, what are you doing? He goes, I sit around and do what I want. I read a great interview. What's that? I'm sorry, what is his name? Kip Winger. Kip, K-I-P. Well, I read this great interview with uh, Steve Gutenberg a couple of years ago where somebody said, how come you're not making movies anymore? He said, for a period in the 80s, I made more than anybody else. I'm rich. Why would I? (laughs) And I was like, what a great answer. That's it. Oh, he is a pretty man. He is. Uh, I also can't hate him because he played bass for Alice Cooper, and he wrote a bunch of Alice Cooper's great uh, songs during the 80s. So, see what I'm saying? Look at him. He's a, he's a good-looking man. Yes, he's wearing a shredded shirt in this, and yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. But probably not on any of us. No. Oh, I can't really pull it up. <laughs> this song, by the way, I just remember this video uh, being on all the time when I was in high school, and I don't know that you could sing a song now about getting it on with some girl who's only 17. Because when you say only 17, that... The reflexive property there indicates that the narrator of the song is more than 17. And so, I mean, the guy, it is basically this de facto admission of statutory rape, which I'm just saying, you know, artistic license and all that, but I don't know that you could really release this now and have it be a big hit. I think it might be considered improper. Are you saying we were less thoughtful in the 80s? Yes. Yeah. Probably. Here's uh, Tim Riley. These are the top five songs about jailbaits. Number four, Motley Crue, all in the name of... Oh, I'm sorry. There's an ellipsis there at the song title. That is uh, all in the name of uh, rock and roll. I guess it's the full title, but uh, that's parenthetical. Oh. Uh, unsurprisingly, Motley Crue had numerous songs about sex with underage girls. So well, I'm I had sure to, they were uh, totally fictional, and yeah. in no way, you know, that they they wrote outside their own experiences for a great deal of their career, writing in the form of a um, character. Yes. Uh, yes. Nikki Six is imagining what it might be like to be a guy who was smacked out on heroin. Exactly. Did you, uh, I think this song actually, I read the Heroin Diaries while I was in New York, and I think this song is the one he said was written about a girl who went to school at a Catholic school down the street from his house, and who would come by to, quote, pay me a visit during lunch. And then he said, and then she'd smooth on her Catholic skirt again and go back to school, and I'd go shoot up. California needs better zoning laws. Yes. No Motley crew anywhere near a school. <laughs> this is a crew-free zone. <laughs> Just a picture of Mick Mars with a big red line through it. <laughs> Have you seen this man? This is one of those songs where you realize that Vince Neil was just, at any moment, just a hair's breadth away from sounding like Fozzie Bear when he sings. He actually has the line in here, You say you're legal, I say legal's never been my scene. Uh, and then something, something. And then he talks about, not only does he F her, then he sees her in a porno magazine later. I'm sure the two aren't related. No. no. Do you ever think about chicks who are written about in rock songs like this, and you wonder if they ever hear themselves in the song later and they recognize themselves? Joe Esterhaas talks about that. How Joe Esterhaas has written all kinds of scenes in his various uh, works of art that depict actual sexual relations he has had. And he said he always wonders if the girls, you know, if the women, like, go to the movies and they are watching the film, like Flashdance or something, and they recognize it like, oh, I had sex just like that with this fat blonde guy one time. 
<laughs> but the better question is later, oh, yeah, you know, out on the first date. Oh, and Motley Crue wrote a song about me. <laughs> really? Which one? These are the top five Gotta songs go. about uh, jailbait. Tim Riley? Number three is Motorhead with Jailbait. This is Greg Nibbler's suggestion, by the way. This is off the uh, Ace of Spades record. I think I could listen to this riff all day, just I, you know, nodding my head. This is this is still one of the best records ever. I mean, I'm a big Motorhead fan. I really am. I mean, I got, you know, even their late period stuff. Uh, but you listen to Ace of Spades, and it just, I mean, front to back, there's just not a bad moment on there. Lemmy is 64 years of age. Making it even creepier that he would be. He's not a man that you want to imagine having that period. I can't. That's the thing is, I really can't. I can't. It's not that he's asexual as such. I just can't picture Lemmy having any kind of relations with anybody. I I picture him just sitting in a blackened room holding a knife and I just kind of flicking with Lemmy. Mm-hmm. Do I know this person? You know of this person. Have I met this person you know that had the relations dirty, with Lemmy? Dirty whore. Oh, the, well, I, <laughs> who was it? A dirty whore? <laughs> You know which one I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yes, I do. Exactly. The one with the MySpace photos. Yes. Greg is saying that Lemmy got busted on stage with an underage girl. What does that I, mean, busted on stage with an underage girl? Well, no, I thought he did something on stage with a woman and was uh, gotten a lot of trouble for it. But I can't remember if she was underage or not. No, I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll look into this here. See if I can do awesome. it. Hey, this a lot is a of research done. being done around here this morning. <laughs> Indeed. A good time to mention this. Uh, Motorhead, Reverend Horton Heath are going to be here this Saturday at the Roseland. Tickets on sale at ticketswest.com. We'll give away a pair of those right now. Actually, halfway through this top five at 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. If you're caller ten, you win a pair of tickets to see Motorhead and Reverend Horton Heath this Saturday at the Roseland. These are the top five songs about jailbait. Tim Riley. Number two, Kiss. Christine, sixteen. Another song that I'm sure was written in a purely speculative fashion by Gene Simmons. Did you ever hear the Gin Blossoms version of this? No. It's awesome. Because the Gin Blossoms are such a, you know, they're, they kind of have that, I don't say squeaky clean, but they're very like a good-natured sort yeah. of pop band. And then to hear what's-his-name, the lead singer for the Gin Blossoms, doing that part where he goes, But when I saw you coming out of school that day, I knew I've got to have you. And it kind of makes your skin crawl like way more than when Gene Simmons does it, because you sort of expect it from him. Yeah. I, I'm just, you know, surprised he didn't figure out a way to turn the entire thing into a Pez dispenser, too. This does contain the immortal line, She's been around, but she's young and clean. Here comes the creepy spoken word part. And that works so much better than whenever boys to men would do the same spoken word thing in the middle, but it would just be like, baby, I My love hurts, you. Baby. I, I miss baby. you so much. Baby, I want to hit that in an Arco restroom. <laughs> oh, wait, here's the line. disturbing about that line. There's something disturbing about Gene Simmons in general in sort of the, the most righteous way. All right, these are the top five songs about jailbait. Tim Riley, what might number one be? Jack Berry, Sweet Little 16. 
This is kind of the original Jailbait song. I do have to say, first of all, I'm a huge Chuck Berry fan. I love Chuck Berry. I really do, just with everything in me. I don't know when Sweet Little 16 came out. Ryan, do you know? Uh, I do not. So Ryan White for the uh, Oregonians here. We're, it's kind of the top five jailbait songs. But this is, I mean, this is late 50s, right? Yeah, got to be. So late 50s, I mean, this is before he went to jail. But, I mean, still, not that we've completely eliminated these issues, obviously. But still a very, you know, a very oppressive and repressed time in America, especially in terms of race relations. And then when you mix race relations and sexual relations together, this is a very uh, combustible mix. So you got to give it up for Chuck Berry essentially doing a song in which he brags about effing underage girls in like every state in the union. I mean, that's it. That took that took stones at that point. And then I don't know if this was the follow-up or he followed it up with Little Queenie. Right. But you know, this the same thing. There's a, there's a, there's a version of that on uh, on Live Bullet, Bob Seger's record, where he drops it down to about 13. I think. It's all right. I mean, this is. Very clearly, uh, as I've often noted, we, uh, you know, all the cats want to do more than dance with, and likely have done more than dance with, the uh, Sweet Little Sixteen. It's it's quite something, and, and you look back retrospectively. I do kind of love the idea of like you know, you know, a Happy Day style sock hop with hoop skirts and stuff dancing to this song, or Lawrence Welk <laughs> playing the instrumental version. Yes. Great song. Great enough for Brian Wilson to steal, anyway. All right. So they wouldn't have been doing this on the Mickey Mouse Club. I, You know, I, the thing, you listen back to some of the songs of that era, though. Like, uh, Good Golly Miss Molly is a great example of that, where it's just, it's so much more explicit than people remember it being. Uh, to the point that you, you wonder how it ever got on the radio oh, back Pat then. Boone snapping his fingers doing the white version of it. Yes. That's how it got on the radio. Uh. He should just remake the White Album, front to back. Just sort of, you know, just close the circle. Ryan White, the blog is where, sir? OregonLive.com backslash music. Awesome. Straight ahead, we'll talk to Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles. Art Webb will uh, talk to us from Survive It and Drive It. And filmmaker Kevin Smith, you stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO, Portland. It's the Rick Emerson Show, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. Uh, 20 after, we're going to talk to Art Webb. He is at KUFO's Survive It and Drive It uh, contest. And we've got uh, something else we're going to unveil for the both of them. We've got Katie's speech that we're going to play as well. She made the big pitch to uh, to the people. And we'll play just a bit of that. We've got the Kevin Smith coming up later in the hour. Filmmaker Kevin Smith will join us. Tim Riley is tracking these stories on your Wednesday morning. There's been another earthquake this morning. 13 have been killed in Indonesia and a 7.9 quake. Now, as far as yesterday's goes, uh, businesses along Cannon Beach boarded up for fear of tsunami-like waves. They never got there. And a Portland police officer transporting the crew of the cops' television show glided head-on with another vehicle last night. And Tsunami, wasn't there a garbage pail kid called Tsunami that came out in like 85, 86? That's the thing that was bugging me this morning. When I, that's how my mind works. And I woke up this morning, I was looking through the headlines. Because on Google, there were two things. There was the, the headlines about the Tsunami, and then there was something about like a giant pink tarantula that they discovered somewhere, which just... Which is, it was freaking me out in all kinds of ways, so I just couldn't look at it more. Especially, especially coming off my stressful day yesterday with that MRI thing that I have to go do on the, on Monday. 
You're saying, by the way, top to bottom, the whole MRI procedure is like 20, 25 minutes? Yeah. All right. So so if you didn't hear it yesterday, I put this little, uh, somebody sent me an email. They said, you never explained the deal with the MRI. So I talked about this earlier. Um, I went into uh, to the, uh, the hospital yesterday for just kind of a, a to have my foot looked at because I get this kind of bump thing on my foot. And it turns out the doctor goes, well, this would all be well and good if there wasn't this giant artery in the middle of it. And I said, well, what's the worst that could happen? He goes, well, you could have an aneurysm in your foot, and then you lose all sensation, and we might have to amputate it. And I said, um, okay, how, how do we not amputate my foot? He said, well, you're going to come in for an MRI as soon as possible. How's Monday? So uh, anyway, so long story short, I get to go I get to go in and be stuck inside a, a loud, clanging metal tube uh, for like half an hour on Monday. And then they will either tell me, well, your foot is fine, or, hmm, how do you feel about stumps? But so, now they're trying to scare you with something you've walked around with forever. Yeah. That was like the time I brought my car to the mechanic in Los Angeles. I was told, do not drive this car down the street. It'll fall apart. You must commit to $1,000 in repair. So I drove the same thing all the way to Oregon. No problem. And I continued to drive it around for three more years. No uh, legally, I can't even let you drive out of here on these tigers. Not, uh, not really in terms of safety. Coming up at 820, we will uh, talk to Art Webb at Survive and Drive It. Kevin Smith, filmmaker Kevin Smith at 840. Ladies and gentlemen, from Los Angeles. CNN radio correspondent to the stars and man of the world, Jim Roop. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm fine. I am well. Things are wonderful. Thank you very much. So let's talk about everybody's new best pal, uh, Roman Polanski. <laughs> I, look, I, I understand that you got to separate the artist from the art, and uh, as somebody said, you got to separate the stuff from the stuff. But this is one of those days where I'm picking up the newspaper, and I just have to sort of fold the newspaper back up and put it down again when I read that, like, I'm looking here at the list. Um, Woody Allen, Martin Scorsese. Woody Allen's like, insert joke here. But uh, Woody Allen, Martin Scorsese have, quote, demanded the immediate release of fellow filmmaker Roman Polanski uh, because of a, you know, because he got busted on this uh, fleeing the country because of this child sex charge and whatever. And, I mean, that this seemed like sort of the wrong cause with which to ally yourself I think everyone has forgotten. First of all, they're talking, a lot of people are sympathetic to Polanski's uh, troubled childhood and the fact that Sharon Tate was murdered by the Manson family. They seem to forget that in 1977, he was 44. He lured a 13-year-old girl to Jack Nicholson's house, said he was going to take pictures of her for the French version of Vogue magazine or something to that effect. Gave her champagne, gave her quaalude, forced her to have sex. That part people forgot. And at some point, you have to you have to become accountable uh, to, to certain acts, I would think. And so today, the, the organization SNAP, you know, the um, Survivors Network of those abused by priests, I think is right. is what that acronym is. Um, uh, they are holding a, a protest outside the DA's office saying that everyone should boycott Polanski's work until Hollywood wakes up and realizes there was a crime there. And while we're sorry that Polanski's wife was murdered, we're sorry he had a troubled childhood, that is no excuse for being a pedophile um, and and the crime he perpetrated, you know, however many years ago this was. Well, you know, and everybody, yeah, everybody acknowledges the guy had a, a bad childhood and went through a lot of tragedy. But, you know, there's a whole lot of people who have bad childhoods who don't uh, decide to deal with that by raping 13-year-olds. That's... Uh... In fact, Absolutely. I would say probably most people don't deal with it that way. And it's just, it is this weird, I, it, I I almost don't even have the words to describe it, just this weird voluntary blindness, uh, just this willing disregard of the fact that he is actually a sex offender. 
I think a lot of people are hanging their hats on the fact that this girl, this well, now she's an adult, wants to just drop the whole thing. She's tired of it. Uh, and I can understand her side of things. You know, she, she feels like nothing's ever going to come of this. Right. She's already been given a settlement. He's already paid her off. And she just wants the charges to go away because every time this comes into the news, her picture's up on the screen. She has to explain it again to her kids. Right. And her husband has to relive it. And her family and friends have to relive it. And those who didn't know about it now under, know who she is, sure. her neighbors or whatever. She just wants to drop it. And I think the DA is, is really ankle-biting this thing. But by the same token... They, they need to do something. I just don't think they – I think they – well, it's our fault, really, the press. We need to lay low on it and just let it happen. Well, and, you know, and, and uh, you know, she has said that she wants it to be, you know, to just to be resolved once, once and for all. Um, it, she actually – I saw an interview with her, a quote from her, where she said that she just wants him to come back to the – she actually said that she wants him to come back to the States so they can get it resolved. And, of course, coming back to the States is the one thing he was just, you know, that he wouldn't – he wouldn't, you know, was not man enough to uh, to do that. And I think it's a common reaction from a lot of – Rape victims or people who go through something where they're traumatized like that, where they just, you know, they don't want to dwell on it anymore. And, you know, which is, which is unfortunate. It, it, you know, it's terrible that she has to go through that. Uh, somebody pointed out that it's, you know, that really at this point, it's no longer that he's just, uh, that he assaulted her. It's like, you know, he, he screwed with the man, uh, when he fled the country, which is, you know, and that's, the government doesn't forget that kind of stuff. Oh, that's true. That's the other side of this thing. He made a deal. Right. And then the day before he was supposed to go to jail, he took off. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you're right. The man, he don't forgive. Uh, all right. Well, uh, and look at it this way. He will probably for many, many months now continue to uh, entertain us in a wholly different fashion as they drag his whining ass back to America. And uh, I don't know that he's ever gonna, I don't know that he's going to come back here. Uh, I would be I would not be surprised, I should say, you know, we, if he's released. You know, what we need is we just need one of those. Uh, we just need one of those guys like the Mossad has. It just goes and sticks him in a black bag and drags him back. <laughs> Hey, Mr. Polanski, look over there. And just, you know, just right into a satchel he goes. <laughs> or send the, the bounty hunter guy over there. Yeah. Or just send Borat over. Just to, uh, you know, <laughs> stick him in one of those Pam Anderson bags. <laughs> right onto a TWA, he comes back. There you go. All right, my friend. Enjoy your day. Thank you, sir. CNN Radio correspondent James Root. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. I can take or leave him. It's okay. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Coming up later this hour, filmmaker Kevin Smith will be joining us. You want to be listening for that with the most baited of breaths. Tim Riley's tracking these headlines on your Wednesday morning. A guy in the Kuvas did after he rolls his car in a cemetery. An Oregon State Hospital patient has pled guilty to escape. He's back behind bars. We have the first clown in outer space. And 33% of U.S. households now have a DVR. That means they're not watching live television anymore. Well, that's impossible, Tim. I don't believe what I'm hearing. All right. Let us uh, pay a visit to Art Webb. He is on-site at Dick Hanna Dodge for another Survive It and Drive It update. Rock 101 KUFO's Survive It and Drive It update. Live from Dick Hanna Dodge in the giant Vancouver Auto Mall. Art Webb, hello, sir. Hey, what's going on, you guys? So we heard Jessica's speech last hour. We played uh, the pitch that she gave on the Court and Fat Boy show yesterday. And in a moment, we're going to hear uh, uh, Katie's speech. You feel like uh, they both believe that they've honestly got a shot at this. Do you think they're both, uh, in other words, are they are they just kind of putting up that front? Or do they both think that this uh, the winning the truck is within their grasp? 
I, I think that they both honestly believe that it is anybody's game right now. So I'm going to play a little bit of Katie's speech from yesterday, and uh, then we've got a couple follow-up questions for her. So this is part of what Katie said yesterday on the Court and Fat Boy Show. Oh, sorry, that's... Uh... One second here. Uh, All right, I'm standing power. about six feet away from the truck, and the stench is radiating. Is it really? Is it just? Is it just yeah, wafting out like a big wafting thing? All right. Absolutely disgusting. Hold on, just one second here. My uh, computer, of course, has chosen this moment to. Uh, to opt not to play any audio at all. In the meantime, can you walk over and is Katie? Are you nearby, Katie? Do you have the uh, microphone? Yes, I am. Let's uh, if we can uh, make sure that give her some headphones or something so we can make sure that she can hear us. We actually have a couple questions to ask her, and the uh, the audio for the speech is being difficult right now. So, um, if uh, is is Katie on the mic? Yes, she is. All right, Katie. Yes, dear. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing good. Are you bearing up? It's what, 179 hours or something at this point? I you think feel... it's like in the 200s. It's, I mean, it's a lot of hours. You oh, feel like you're a... You 217. Feel... 217. You feel like, uh, you feel like you've uh, you got a fighting chance at this? I do. So Sarah and I wanted to ask you about something. So we were looking online, and uh, you know we know that you've got the, a lot of bands you work with. You've got a lot of friends, a lot of people you know in Portland. And we were looking on MySpace, and... You know, the people, of course, you know, they go online, do you know, Craigslist or whatever, and they kind of spread the word. They do, you know, it's kind of viral marketing, you know, as they say, mm-hmm. to try to get people to your cause. And I thought you'd want to know that we found, first of all, that people have just taken taken your, uh, uh, you know, your speech yesterday and your push for people to vote, uh, you know, to win you the truck, and they've duplicated it everywhere. So if you do a Google search right now, there's people who have taken this post and they've put it all over the Internet trying to get votes in your corner. So you're probably aware of that, right? Wow, uh, that's great. I mean, were you? I but you knew. But you, yeah, you you knew that was happening, right? I knew I had lots of supporters out there. Yes. Well, this is, but this is with your MySpace account. I mean, because yes, I mean, it seems like it, it came from your MySpace account and it's showed up at a lot of other places. So I was just going to say that it's uh, clear that you've got a big uh, support network here because I'm looking and your your MySpace account has actually been used to kind of post this everywhere. Although it's interesting to note that whoever is posting this has got it backward. Because I'm reading this now directly from the post made under your account, and it says, uh, I am one of four finalists to win a 2008 Dodge Ram truck, blah, 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 blah. You go on about the specifics of the contest. And then it says, here's where I will really need your help. KUFO will have a voting round. You can vote for the other finalists that should be eliminated. And then it says in all caps, so don't vote for me. There is no limit to the number of times a person can vote. Please go to KUFO.com uh, and engage and says, please vote for anybody but me. Please don't vote for me. It says again in all caps. And this is everywhere. Well, it looks like somebody's got to do some work on that and fix it. So that is... Uh, yeah, because that sucks because, oh yeah, it's like from September 15th. So that's been there for 15 days, for over two weeks. And so someone is, uh, someone is clearly not talking to somebody. Yeah, it looks like I'll have to make a phone call on my break or something and see if we can't get that fixed. So, do we have any idea who would have been uh, who? I mean, who would have been posting that uh, with your MySpace account? Because they they need to be uh, spoken to. Uh, well, I have lots of people that are looking out for me. So, but my uh, my husband's got the word 
on everybody. So I'll make sure that he gets the word out to everybody to make sure we get that fixed. So the voting started yesterday, 3 p.m. It's going to continue all the way to Friday at 4 p.m. Uh, with the winner announced Friday at 5. And uh, your speech was aired during Court and Fat Boy yesterday. We're having uh, some technical difficulties here, so we're not able to play that back. But uh, you guys both seem to think that you've got it sewn up. You both seem to be very confident. So what we're going to do right now is we are going to um, give you another opportunity, really, to give your word to the people. So we'll give you the, the idea now, and then you have all day to work on it to prepare it for this afternoon. So just as you spent yesterday creating a speech, you and Jessica both, uh, to give during the Court and Fat Boy Show, here's how we're going to do this today. <laughs> today, during the Court and Fat Boy Show, which airs from 3 to 7, you and Jessica uh, will each create at some point during the day, and then this afternoon you will perform... Another plea for votes, another pitch of, uh, you know, to the public, but this will be done in the form of a rap performance. So you will create between now and the Court and Fat Boy show this afternoon, you will create a rap song of uh, your own imagination, uh, which will serve the purpose of uh, trying to get votes in your corner. So you want to rap your cause to the people uh, who listen to KUFO in the afternoon on Court and Fat Boy show this afternoon. You'll be given a pen and paper, you got the rest of the day to work on it, and then you guys will both perform that rap. Uh, this afternoon. And do Nibbler and I get to judge it since we're going to be the ones out there today? I think, well, the people will be the ultimate judges because they'll cast the votes, but I think you guys should certainly critique uh, when you're out there. Sarah okay. and Greg will be on the scene. You can certainly give your thoughts. You can give your sort of Simon and Paula uh, input on it. Got it. Excellent. So uh, we'll let them pass along the details of that to you and Jessica, Katie. All right. Sounds good. Should be interesting. All right. There you go. That is uh, Katie. She's in the truck right there uh, at Survive It and Drive It at Dick Hanna Dodge, Corner 4th Plain and Auto Mall Drive. And again, if you want to hear the speeches that Jessica and Katie gave, you can uh, hear those via podcast anytime at KUFO.com, or you can also do voting. That started yesterday, 3 p.m., goes till 4 p.m. Friday. The winner announced Friday, 5 p.m. Uh, Greg and Sarah will be out there this afternoon from 4 to 6 when Katie and Jessica must, yes, wrap their case. And I believe the that there American might be public. somebody dressed in a gorilla suit uh, beatboxing. That's awesome. So right is this ahead. a real box-beating gorilla? That's- yes. He'll be beating boxes. On that awkward note, filmmaker Kevin Smith next. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. KUFO, survive it and drive it. From Dick Hanna Dodge and the giant Vancouver Auto Mall. Who will win a Dodge Ram truck? Thanks to Domino's. Lazy Boy Furniture. Jackson's Food Stores. And 7-Up. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in low definition. Are you just going to let me bleed out? The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Don't forget Sarah X. Dillon and Greg Nibbler on site for Survive It and Drive It this afternoon from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. at the corner of 4th Plain and Auto Mall Drive where Katie and Jessica will be, yes, rapping their uh, plea to the uh, to the listening public. I cannot wait to hear it. You know, why would Katie have somebody use her MySpace account to then post this, uh, you know, this kind of message to everybody getting them to vote without actually bothering to check that they were passing along the correct information? <laughs> so I'm, she's spent all this time and effort promoting herself only to say to, to not vote for her. I'm, and the thing is, and I wasn't, I mean, it, it is posted under using her MySpace account, which I think she, I, I, get, I think, get the feeling she thinks I was trying to like trick her into admitting something, which I really wasn't. It doesn't matter to me if she was. No, because you know, that was posted post. on September 15th, which means that she posted that. 
So she's trying to. Oh, that actually else predates in. the concert, it though. You're right. It predates the contest. So she was. Uh, I hadn't really thought about that. See, I hadn't really put that together because today's what the thirtieth. So this is actually before the contest. Which means that she did it, and it actually and says. She's like, well, I don't know who has it. It's in her. All, in all caps, don't vote for me is what it says, Greg. Well, and it's been updated since then too, and some of those posts have been repeated. So I think it's been a copy and paste job. Yeah. All of so this. measure twice, cut once. Really is the moral there, yeah. Katie. All right, ladies and gentlemen at the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, it's 844. The wet weather continues. High temperatures today in the 60s. Oregon City cops are looking for a jerk who hopped on a fire truck, stole a firefighter's wallet, three packs full of emergency equipment, then he runs across the street to buy lottery tickets with the stolen loot. A surveillance camera shows him... Jumping for joy after winning $45 playing Scratchers. Only minor tsunami waves were reported along the coast last night. A little bit above normal. A lot of the stores on the coast were reported up. And there's been another earthquake this morning in Indonesia with more dead. Let's take a break now and uh, hear Patrick Swayze read something from his his book. Uh, Wait a minute here. Which book is this? His uh, final book. Oh, is it? Well... (laughs) (laughs) I think that I goes without saying. I bring myself to say nobody puts baby in a corner in front of the cameras. It just sounded so corny. But later, seeing the finished film, I had to admit it worked. I even quote a version of it to myself these days saying, nobody puts Patrick's pancreas in a corner when people ask how I'm doing. I think it's uh, it's too soon. That's that's awkward is, uh, is what that is. What do you mean nobody puts... Patrick's pancreas in a corner. Well, first well, of all, it's too late to ask. Why would you even ask? I demand that Patrick Swayze clarify this. I uh, I think that's also just factually incorrect. I think we've I think we've seen now that I think the lie has been given to that statement. The uh, I think the uh, I think the evidentiary underpinnings of that statement are suspect at best. All right. Well, there you go. Well, that's still better than the nobody puts Swayze in the corner thing. It's all right. It's five zero three two two eight four one zero one five zero three two two eight. For 101. Uh, you all know our next guest. His films include Clerks, Chasing Amy, Zack and Mary Make a Porno, and Mallrats. In addition, he can be seen whoring himself relentlessly and without mercy everywhere, including a series of speaking engagements this fall, and online at jayandsilentbob.com, where you can purchase his new book, which we will, for the purposes of uh, broadcast as governed by the FCC, refer to as Shooting the S with Kevin Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, the aforementioned Mr. Kevin Smith. Good morning to you, sir. Sir, let me ask you a question. You're in Portland, yes? Yes. Is it as gay as Gus Van Sant depicted it in it's, my own private Idaho? It's even gayer, sir. As we speak right now, there is in fact a uh, there's a troop of mimes coming through wearing pink tutus, and they are twirling like a Bjork video. I, that movie made me want to go to Portland because it just is like, look at all these popular dudes who are gay. I want to be a part of this. Um, Portland is actually a city where the men all look like women, and the women all look like they're in, there to install aluminum siding at your house. <laughs> You're selling me, dude. I'm there. I'm just... Uh, thanks. Thanks for that, Rick. I appreciate it. No, I mean, present company excluded, sort of. Hey, you were the one yesterday that referred to yourself as being all like a... I mean, you did look like you were going to be putting on a tool belt. Some days are better than others. 
so yeah, I mean, every city's got its uh, every city's got its sterling qualities, and a, a sort of off-putting yet strangely endearing androgyny is uh, is Portland. So yeah, man, I, I, I'm looking for a visit. I don't think I've been there since like '94. Well, I was actually going to ask you that you know the sort of the the geek contingent of the audience uh, would string me up if I didn't ask you this. You know, we got like half the comic industry based in uh, in I our know, fair town, and plus, and Eugene is there, dude, where they shot Animal House. That's a comedy mecca, and, and yet. I still never spent much time in Portland. I don't know why. It's not for personal reasons where I'm like, oh, to hell with Oregon. It's just I've never really had opportunity to do so. And it, so you've got the, you know, the evening Kevin Smith thing that, you know, tours everywhere. And it's almost like you, it's like you go out of your way to shun us, Kevin. I mean, I don't want to put it that way. It's almost like you. You know what it is, dude? When they get, what happens is when you're touring with a movie or something like that, you wind up in Seattle and all the Portland journalists come up. You guys are like the New Jersey of the Northwest. <laughs> You, you know, cut me to the quick, sir. Seattle's New York, and you guys are like, well, we'll trek in New York because it's easier for everybody else, and we don't want to be a hassle. You guys are just like the New Jersey of the Northwest. Actually, uh, Anthony Bourdain came through, and he did a, a, a Northwest thing, and it, we didn't even get our own special. It was like Northwest featuring Portland. We were just sort of under the umbrella of like lots of other towns. I know in this I'm, part. Coming, I'm coming out there, I think, in like, um, I think it's November. Is it November or October 7th? I, I'm coming out there to do a Q&A very soon, but Seattle. But then in the spring, I'm going to Portland. Okay, so you time. you will be done. When you say you're coming to Portland Spring, is that going to be for the evening with Kevin Smith? Or is yeah, it going to be... we're going to sit up on stage and do that BS where I'm like, hey, ask me questions, and I talk for three hours. You were you you did the booked Carnegie Hall, actually, with that, right? I did. In June, I, I played Carnegie Hall. They had an open slot in their schedule, and these two producers uh, were, were, were um, kind enough to be like, hey, you do college shows where you talk to kids and stuff. Do you want to do that at Carnegie Hall, and I was like, would I? And the dude got really insulted because he had a wooden eye. Um, that's an old joke. I'm sorry. I pulled that right out of my youth. Um, so anyway, I was like, I would love to, and I did it, and not only did we did it, I was like, look, if I'm going to do Carnegie Hall, the only way I'm doing it is if I'm going to try, I'm going to try to sell it out. It's no fun to do Carnegie Hall if you see empty seats. So for like two months straight, once we found out what the date was, I just hoarded on Twitter, man, and just let people know. These are how many tickets sold. These are how many left. These are made it a real game, made it like, you know, participation event, and uh, was able to sell it out. And so once that happens, then you got, like, legitimate theaters across the country suddenly going, like, hey, do whatever you do here. And I've been doing it for years. Like, I'm sharpening it for at least a decade at colleges, but nobody ever invited me out of a college campus because I guess they assume that's the only people who really cared. So now I wind up doing all these gigs at, at legitimate places. Like, uh, I think we're in Seattle, it's the Benaroya Hall or something like that. Is that legitimate? Yeah, well, I, you know, the thing about you just talking to colleges, actually, is you, when you first went to, to start doing that, when you're doing the Evening with Kevin, with Smith, uh, Evening with Kevin Smith stuff, do you have, since you, did not, since you didn't go to college, you went to film school, but then you left and you made clerks, is it more a sense of, like, I kind of secretly don't belong here, or is it more a sense of, like, in your face, I have no degree and I am wealthy? It's the middle. It's the middle road, which is like, um, oh, this is what this is what I would have liked to have done: sit around and talk to students. Um, but this, if I'd gone to college, that's the only aspect of college I think I missed, is the social aspect. But I actually like this way better because it means I lead the conversation all the time by virtue of the fact that I'm the guy that made the movie or blah 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 whatever. So it's I never go there like in your face, college, particularly because the. The kids, that would just dishearten the kids to no end, wouldn't it? Where I'm like, in your face! I made it! You didn't! They're like, hey, man, we're still in school, you fat jackass. Um, and I don't feel the other way where it's just uh, like, um, 
What was the other option? Uh, I don't know. We're just we're lost in a thicket of adverbs now. I uh, I don't even know where we are. But I I will. It happens, dude, because I smoke a lot of weed in the morning. My bad. Talking about not going to college, you're also so you do, sold out Carnegie uh, Carnegie Hall, and then you were identified on the cover of the new book, uh, the shooting the S book, identifies you as quote, and this is awesome, New York Times best-selling author, Kevin Smith. <laughs> it's almost the only reason that this current book exists, because uh, Adam over at Titan, the publisher, he was the guy who was the mastermind behind this book and the other book, which was, uh, I'd, ri- I'd been writing an online blog for like two years, and Titan said, can we publish it? And I said, why would anyone want to do That's old media. It's like, you can read it for free online. Why would anyone want to actually buy the book? And I was wrong. People did want to buy the book. We thought we'd sell like a couple hundred copies to fans, and then somehow it wound up being a New York Times bestseller. So Adam says, we have to do another book, if for no other reason than to just put that on the quote over your face, because nobody's going to believe it, dude. It's hysterical. It is awesome that when whenever I uh, whenever I see something like that, I do revel in the sure and certain knowledge that somewhere there is somebody looking at that in a bookstore and becoming angry. Yeah, and, probably my mother. <laughs> my mother going like, he's cursing again. Everyone's going to think I raised him wrong. Why won't he shut his fat mouth? Why always the potty talk? Yeah, why can't he work clean like Bill Cosby? When you were growing up, what was the most that you kind of realistically uh, hoped for before clerks kind of changed everything? I, I, my big dream in life was to own a deli because I really knew how to make a sandwich. Still do. That was your, uh, the, 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 uh, it was corned beef and, uh, and potato salad for I miles. I could do that. I was like, I'm really good. I know exactly how much meat to put on a sandwich where the customer's not like, oh, dude, this is too much. Or not like, hey, man, put a little more on that. Good. Ba- I'm a fat man. A fat man knows how to make a sandwich, to say the least. So I was like, I can do that. And I'd worked in delis for years. Delis and convenience stores were my thing. So I was like, I imagine one day I'll wind up owning a small deli, and then just cause, because of the sandwich aspect, but then the film thing kicked in. We're talking to uh, Kevin Smith. One of the uh, filmmakers you've mentioned a lot is Hal Hartley, and I, I am just a, an evangelist for a movie called Trust uh, uh, that, that he made. Was one, that was the movie for me, dude. Like, you know, I always talk about Richard Linklater's Slacker as the movie that made me realize that I, too, could be a filmmaker. But it was Hal Hartley's Trust that really uh, freed me up to write the kind of dialogue I write, because Hal Hartley's Trust was porn for a guy like me who loves dialogue, and he was doing stylized dialogue, so it had this surreal quality to it. It was almost like you were watching a theater show or play rather than watching a film. And I didn't ape that style, but because he was able to do that, because I was like, wow, this dude's just taking chances, it, it made me feel comfortable enough, secure enough to kind of write dialogue the way I write it. Do you th- I, I love that movie. It's so delighted you brought that up. Nobody talks about trust, and it's such a great flick. It is, uh, and the, the one other note on that movie, you watch it now, and it's got this strangely non-dated feel to it, because even then, like, I think about the score, and it's got that weird electro, like, Moog synthesizer. Yeah, that, the typical Hal Hartley Ned Rifle score, which is his, his, his pseudonym for himself, so he always does the score, and the score, like his writing, is like, it's almost like a Beckett play. It's so Spartan. It has this kind of strangely off kilter angular feel to it that just lends it this kind of timeless quality. It's just, a, but it's just a, a great movie, and th- that uh, you know, that imprint is all over. Uh, you know, the, the, you know the early stuff that you do. You know, you can sense again is that you're not aping it, but that it very much has that kind of what they call the hyper realistic very um, much so. style. How Hartley's work absolutely informed my work, and and I made no secret of that back in the day. I would tell people to drop that. I was preaching the gospel of Hal Hartley. Then I read an interview that he did in the New York Times Magazine, and this was like circa 1996. 
And in it, they begin, the author of the piece begins by talking, begins the piece thusly. You know, Hal Hartley, and I can't do it verbatim, essentially it's this. Hal Hartley um, was at a Q&A, and somebody asked him, hey, man, how does it feel to be shouted out in the end credits of Clerks by Kevin Smith? And apparently he gave such an impassioned, vitriolic answer that he had to go lay down after the show. He was emotionally spent. He, no, he was not. He was not a Kevin Smith fan. That's what I got out of the piece. Ah, and I, I see. broke my heart, dude, because I was like, oh, "But I'm such a huge Hal Hartley fan." It was an important lesson to learn. Sometimes you're going to love people; they're not going to love you back. Well, I'm sorry to have uh, traumatized you with that. I, I have to say, up a bad memory, dude. I, if I can go out on that negative note, let me just say as we wrap this up here. Uh, all kidding aside, on a personal note, I have to say that just for me, that uh, you know, I saw Chasing Amy, and it resonated with me on such a deep level that it really did truly forever alter the way that I dealt with women in relationships. So I want to thank you for doing what you do for me, for all of us, for everybody who loves film, my friend. Hey, Seuss Marimba, dude, that was so kind. And so uh, let me tell you something. I'm coming to Oregon now. You sold me. Well, there I'm you go. Out with you, dude. You're complimentary as hell. I am the city's ambassador, sir. Here you, but if I'm there, it's because of you. And if I'm there, I'm totally walking in and sitting in on that show. That's uh, going on my resume and on my personal file right now. Best of continued success in life, art, and all things, my friend. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Talking to you. Absolute pleasure. There you go. Kevin Smith, ladies and gentlemen. All right. There you go. Oh, my God. That was fantastic. Well, that makes up for the fact that we went so overtime that the publicist was apparently yelling at us over the email. Oh, Get off the phone! There's other stations waiting. All right. Well, Let there them you all go. wait. We just need to end this show now. That was too amazing. And we're done. Uh, we want to remind you the KUFO half-off sale continues this Friday, ladies and gentlemen. That is this Friday, 9 a.m., this Friday, 9 a.m., and it's uh, going to feature such items as a $50 gift certificate to the Oregon Humane Society. That's a $50 certificate toward the adoption of a lifelong loving companion from the Oregon Humane Society sheltering homeless animals for 140 years. Remember, they receive no tax dollars. It's just made possible by the generosity of folks like us. Friday, 9 a.m., get a $50 certificate for just $25 or get one for free. Right now, if you call or 10 at 503 503- Two two eight four one zero one. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week and Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. And when I will be playing that uh, clip of Kevin Smith talking about our show like a hundred times. We want to thank uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop, Art Webb, who was uh, the man with the plan uh, out there at the Dick Hanna Dodge this morning, Kevin Smith, uh, who just joined us a few moments ago, Ryan White from the Oregonian and from the Portland Timbers, Steve Cronin. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for Rock 101, KUFO in the newsroom, Tim Riley. On the phones, Greg Nibbler. Uh, at the front desk, the gatekeeper is uh, Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs. Alpha Broadcasting Marketing Guru, Susan Donaff with me, Reynolds Executive Producer, one Christopher J. Paddock. Coming up next, it is Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. It is Wednesday, September 30th, 2009, and that is the frequency, Kenneth. As always, thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. Your father is supposed to protect you, not you. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.